stream. Monday, the 31st of July, the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Let's pray a prayer of his in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O Christ Jesus, when all is darkness and we feel our weakness and helplessness, give us the sense of your presence, your love, and your strength. Help us to have perfect trust in your protecting love and strengthening power so that nothing may frighten or worry us. So living close to you, we shall see your hand, your purpose, your will through all things. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on this Monday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And we are closing out the month of July today. Up this hour, Kevin Schmeezing will be along with a look at this week in Catholic history. We'll check in with Father Philip LeRae, who we tap into from time to time from his work on Humanity 2.0 to try and figure out how to wrap our minds around the acceleration of AI and our responsibility to uh, to uphold the truth as Catholics. Father John Gavin is going to join us. It's actually, he's a Jesuit. We got a Jesuit on today on the Feast of St. Ignatius. He's going to talk about how the world was created for the church. And then Dr. Jared Stout on the Eucharist and human dignity here at the end of the hour. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The blistering heat wave is not going away as record-setting temperatures move through the south. Heat indices, which factor in humidity, could soar above triple digits this week across states like Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. In the southwest, meanwhile, Phoenix has now topped 110 degrees for 31 straight days. More than 100 million Americans were under heat alerts over the weekend. Meantime, recent powerful storms that hit the East Coast brought some relief from the heat while causing damage and knocking out power for tens of thousands of people. Cooler weather is in the forecast from the northern plains to the Midwest through tomorrow. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. Mark Mayfield has the story. The nonprofit group El Ra Haiti says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says it's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day that all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told to leave Haiti due to rising crime, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis is urging Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. Earlier this month, Moscow stopped allowing Ukraine to export grain, mostly to countries in Africa from its Black Sea ports. During his Sunday Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father called on Russia to allow these shipments. The Holy Father said, quote, I appeal to my brothers, the authorities of the Russian Federation, so that the Black Sea Initiative may be resumed and grain may be transported safely, end quote. Also during his Angelus address yesterday, 
The Pope reflected on the actions of the merchant who sought and found the precious pearl. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The first action of the enterprising merchant, said the Pope, is to go out and seek precious pearls, which demonstrates his desire to cultivate dreams of good and search for something new. This curiosity and drive, he said, is what we need in seeking the newness of the Lord, because the Lord, he said, is not repetitive, but always making the realities of life new. While searching for the precious pearl, the merchant then finds what he is looking for, since he has a sharp eye and knows how to recognize the pearl of great value. The Pope said this methodic process of careful discernment offers a teaching for us in that we must also learn to discern what is good and precious. We need to seek what matters and is of value for our lives to train ourselves to see the precious gems of life from what is of no use or benefit. Let us not waste time and freedom on trivial things, said the Pope, pastimes that leave us empty inside, while life offers us every day the precious pearl of the encounter with God and with others. The Pope then described the merchant's last action when he buys the pearl, selling and sacrificing everything he has, since he realizes its immense value has to be his only wealth, the meaning of his present and his future. This action speaks to us as well, the Pope explained, as we are invited to welcome the Lord Jesus, the precious pearl of our life, to be sought, found, and made one's own. The Pope said that when one encounters Christ, life changes and finds ultimate meaning in the embrace of God. The Pope said we should ask ourselves what we really seek in life and whether we are making an effort to search for God and do good. He then suggested we practice discernment on what is truly good and comes from God and what leaves us empty and needs to be put aside. Finally, the Pope suggested that we look at our lives and ask if we have given up everything to make the Lord the center of our lives, our greatest good now and always. I'm Devin Watkins. The death toll continues to rise after a suicide bombing at a political rally in Pakistan. Officials now say more than 50 people were killed and more than 100 others injured in yesterday's attack. So far, no one has claimed responsibility for the bombing at a Sunni political convention in the northwestern region of the country. Local authorities say more than 500 people were attending the convention. Gas prices are surging to an eight-month high. AAA says the national average for a gallon of regular unleaded hit 3.75 a gallon yesterday. That's 17 cents more than last week. Industry experts blame the spike on production cuts and the record-breaking heat. And the L.A. Dodgers will be holding their Christian Faith and Family Day event before this afternoon's game against the Cincinnati Reds. There will be player interviews and testimonials as well as musical performances from contemporary Christian recording artist Jeremy Camp. This coming, of course, after the debacle that was Pride Night and the honoring of the so-called Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which gained the outrage of the U.S. bishops and others around the country. The Dodgers-Reds game gets underway at 1.10 p.m. Pacific time. All right, so you ever watch a baseball game, Anna Mitchell, and you see a pitch that's clearly a bad pitch, but uh, oh, wait. the umpire this says is not, it's a uh, it's, I got this game. I got pitch. this wrong, Matt. This was yesterday. This was yesterday? I'm sorry. Paul just looked at me and he's like, the Reds play the Cubs today. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I read this. Yeah, I read this wrong. Joey Votto launched one into the Dodgers' bullpen. and Faith and Family Day was yesterday, which makes a whole lot more sense. It was on a Sunday. But you know what happens? You ever ever watch a game and and, uh, there's a pitch that's clearly a a terrible pitch, Mm -hmm. and the umpire 
calls it a strike. <laughs> and then later on, there's uh, there's a pitch that's a a bad pitch again, and he calls it calls it a ball, or he calls he calls a reverse call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In favor of the other team now, we call that a makeup call. Mm-hmm. It's a makeup call. Anyway, yeah, this was a makeup call for I sure. I wasn't saying that. I was just asking you if you knew about that thing in baseball that happened. Uh, well, I'm familiar. Yeah, I'm familiar. Just check it. Just check it. I do think this faith and family day got put in place after. I mean, well, of I course it did, an Anna Mitchell. There are some teams that have like a faith and family day on their original events calendar. But it's like when uh, when a tobacco company does cancer awareness ads. <laughs> it's nine minutes past the hour. Kevin Schmeising now joining us. He is the author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, and we like to take a look at this week in Catholic history every week here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. So you've got some Ursuline history for us from the 1600s. Yeah, the Ursulines are a big presence in uh, Catholic education in the United States, among other places, and they first arrived in the New World this week back in 1639. The Ursulines had been founded in 1535 in Italy by St. Angela Marici. Their main purpose was the education of girls and young women. A widow, Marie Guyer, joined the order in France in 1631. She received the name Marie of the Incarnation. Shortly after that, she had a mystical vision that she and her spiritual director interpreted to mean that she was to be a missionary in a new land. In the meantime, Samuel de Champlain and others had been exploring and settling New France roughly speaking, what is now Canada. In 1608, Champlain founded the city of Quebec on the St. Lawrence River. It was still a settlement of fewer than a 1,000 people when Marie of the Incarnation and two fellow Ursulines arrived this week, August 1st, 1639. The Ursulines immediately began teaching girls, both French and indigenous. Their own numbers began to grow as native Canadians joined the order. By 1697, they had opened a second house, and by 1700, there were 40 nuns altogether. The sainthood cause of Marie of the Incarnation was initiated in the 19th century. It came to fruition when she was canonized by Pope Francis in 2014. Saint Marie of the Incarnation, one of the three Ursulines who arrived in Quebec this week in 1639. Pretty cool. And also this week in Catholic history, we get to talk about a code breaker. A codebreaker, his name Joe Desch. So codebreaking uh, in World War II has gotten a lot of attention over the last couple of decades, lots of books and movies. There was a Catholic at the heart of it, this guy, Joe Desch. Now, I didn't know anything about this until recently, Matt, so i got to give a couple of hat tips here. Jim DeBrosse did a series in the Dayton Daily News. That was published back in 2001, but I didn't see it at the time. I didn't know about it until I heard a recent episode on the Ohio Mysteries podcast. That pointed me to the articles. And so you're getting, in a much condensed form here, uh, a version of that story. Joseph Desch was born in 1907 in Dayton, Ohio, to a German Catholic family. He attended Catholic school with the Marianists at Emanuel Parish, where he apparently at one point got into a physical altercation with an instructor over a math problem. He cared deeply about his math. He finished his education at the local Marianist College, the University of Dayton, with a degree in electrical engineering. Dayton was at this time a center of engineering and innovation. Desch worked successively at General Motors Radio, Telecom Laboratories, and then National Cash Register. When the U.S. entered World War II in 1941, NCR stopped making cash registers, 
It devoted all its resources to work for the U.S. Navy. Its most consequential contribution was high-speed deciphering machines, code breakers, for which primary credit goes to the man who was by all accounts both a practical and theoretical genius, Joe Desch. After Allied scientists had broken the earlier German Enigma code, the Germans improved their technology, so a device exponentially more powerful, faster, was needed. And that's where Desch and NCR came in. Desch worked frantically to create the machine and then to use it. It was a situation where a matter of hours could mean life or death for American soldiers, especially sailors who were subject to Nazi submarine attacks in the North Atlantic. So the Navy put massive pressure on the NCR team. Desch worked 14-hour days. He was under 24-hour surveillance. He was forced to break off relations with his German relatives. In fact, he had a few um, distant relatives who were members of the Nazi party in Germany. So it was kind of a delicate situation. Friends and family always described Desch as devoutly Catholic throughout his life, but sometime during this period, he stopped going to church. It probably had to do with the intense psychological strain he felt guilt for not producing results fast enough to save Americans, but also guilt for producing the intelligence that led to the killing of thousands of Germans. After the war, Desch reconciled with the faith. He went to confession to a priest from his elementary school days. And when his daughter made her first communion a few days later, he went with her, receiving communion for the first time in 15 years. With the help of his faith, Desch seems to have found a measure of peace by the late 1950s, though he still rarely talked about his wartime exploits, and they remained a sensitive subject for the rest of his life. Joe Desch was 80 years old when that life came to an end, this week, August 3rd, 1987. And I would never know that story if I hadn't been listening to This Week in Catholic History. What a cool piece of... Uh, uh, of history related to World War II that probably a lot of people don't even know about. Well, until, well, I can say until you just found out about it recently yourself. Kevin Schmeezing, we've got your book as well as the Catholic History Trek podcast linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks as always. Have a great day. Thanks, Matt. You too. All right, let's check on weather for the nation as we kick off this week. Showers and a few thunderstorms found from New England to the central Appalachians and along the I-95 corridor from Pennsylvania to the Carolinas today. The other major trouble spot will be in the southwest, where the summer monsoon is starting to crank up. Showers and thunderstorms will head northward through Arizona and into the Great Basin. Aside from typical daily thunderstorms in Florida and a few showers and storms in the central plains, the weather looks splendid along the west coast and across the central U.S. Northern Minnesota will see a return of smoky conditions, but blue skies will otherwise dominate in other areas that have dry weather today. We're back with headlines right after this. It's quarter past the hour. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? 
The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. The best way to practice not really being able to fully celebrate in other people's successes is to go to what you're grateful for in your own life. So when someone next to you is having a a great success, you immediately go to, Lord, I'm so grateful. I have my health. I have my husband. I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. And all of a sudden, everything becomes just perfect. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis urged Russia to revive the Black Sea Green Deal. And as the Pope prepares to head to Lisbon for World Youth Day this week, the Holy, Fa- the Holy See has announced that the Holy Father will be traveling to Marseille in France in September. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell had a great weekend. Yes. Thanks for covering for me on Friday. Hey. Headed down. I'm so happy that you got to go see your grandma and grandpa. I am too. Granddaddy you know, I didn't get to... and Susu. Uh, Papa and Susu. Papa yeah. and Susu. It was good times. Got to see my parents. My brother was there as well, his kid. Yeah, so we uh, we did a lot of fishing. And you of know, because you I wasn't did. here on Friday, I didn't get to preview the Sunday Mass readings with Father Jonathan Duncan. And you always talk to Father Hezekiah every Friday. Mm-hmm. I always talk to Father Jonathan Duncan so we can get like as many angles as possible on the gospel heading into the weekend. But uh, so I wasn't able to preview... So I'm going to the go net? back and reflect. The parable of the net? Yeah, on Matthew 13, mm-hmm. which we would have heard at Mass yesterday. Mm-hmm. Or Saturday at the vigil, depending. Where the kingdom of heaven's like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. And when it's full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what's good into buckets and what's bad they throw away. First of all, I was in Tennessee, and when the deacon reads about putting the good stuff into buckets, it hits different. When you hear it in a Tennessee accent, <laughs> I'm just going to say, I believe what's the that. bad they throw away? We did that. not do a fish fry, so we threw everything back. But, you know, those passages hit different when you're fishing. Or the ones that Jesus does, you know, when he's talking about gardening. When you've gardened over the weekend and then you go to mm-hmm. Mass and hear Jesus tell some parable that's mm-hmm. about what you've just been doing. Yep. It hits a little different. It really But I did want to let you know of something uh, that, that happened. There was a... Uh, there's a faux pas at the parish that I visited. The pastor was reading the announcements at the end. He was inviting people. They're doing um, some overnight adoration, oh, cool. you know, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. And he invited some of the, the parishioners. He invited parishioners to participate in the kickoff holy hour uh, to do, you know, to, to get this thing started. Except he didn't say holy hour. He said happy hour. <sighs> When invited by everybody to a oh, happy hour to kick this off, and he's like, yeah, of course, everybody immediately caught it, and he was very gracious and, you know, quick on his feet, and we all had a had an amusing well, time. Well, hey, hopefully it. your holy hour is a happy hour. Holy, yeah, I mean, it. it an you, hour you're created that is to know, happy. love, and serve God and be happy with Him in the next life. Then, 
this would be a good way to aim towards that. Spend a little time in prayer. Spend a little time off the internet. You'll be happier that way, that's for sure. That's so good. Yes, indeed. Well, well we're glad to have you back, Matt. I put some pictures up on, on my oh, feed. I'll have to go check it out. I, uh, I saw a lot of other stuff. I'll tell you some other things. I love going to uh, various parts of southern america and just observing christian subcultural phenomena because those are my roots okay wait i'm just and also i up, love flannery o'connor when i pull up twitter like you come up first in my feed and i see a good see a big old bass fish you didn't eat that thing i didn't eat that thing that was a, i caught that thing at about eight o'clock yesterday morning i was like hey, i gotta get on the road here you threw him back i threw him back wow impressive back into the gene pool Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Dr. Miriam Grossman will discuss her new book, Lost in Translation. Attorney Ken Craycraft will tell us what issue one really says and why we should support it. I'll reflect on the life of St. Ignatius Loyola, the frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing. Ken Herbert Plumbing, a drain cleaning specialist, uses color drain cameras to help find and fix drainage issues. Ken Herbert Plumbing, for residential and commercial plumbing repair, 513-383-2974. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles. Proudly partnering with Dayton Right to Life and the Stork's Nest Baby Pantry to support babies and families in need. More information online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Always great to talk to Father Philip LeRae from Humanity 2.0. He teaches in Rome and we're grateful he takes a little time to talk to us every now and then. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Good to be back on the program. Yeah, I'm interested to hear uh, about this uh, particular thing, Claude 2. Uh, what is Claude 2? Uh, because <laughs> it it seems like, well, well, I'll just let you explain it. Okay. Uh, Claude 2 is uh, Anthropics GPT. And it rivals OpenAI's GPT because uh, they were one of the first to invest time and energy and money in creating this artificial intelligence. So what 
cloud uh, cloud two seems to be doing much better than the others is logical processing and so and anna mentioned that she thought it was interesting that the uh, article that introduces this new version the older version was 1.3 seems to say that it does logic reasoning better than humans and i think that that's true uh, first of all, it does it much more quickly. Second of all, it can uh, access databases which are much too large for the, the human mind. And uh, thirdly, it doesn't make mistakes in terms of the logic uh, that it's doing. And that's simply because we were able to translate logical patterns of human intellect into uh, mathematical code and therefore the machines can do it. This has been going on for more than 50, 60 years. Now, here's the interesting thing. It doesn't, it doesn't arrive at truth better than humans. And I think that going forward with these enormous uh, language processors, we're going to have to, mm, how can I say, we're going to have to understand that humans are much better at truth than machines. The machines probably beat us at logic, and I teach logic, and so I know sometimes the students, they don't get very good grades. Uh, but the machines don't do truth. And in Anthropic, even uh, they're very responsible. They even say that. They say, be careful about using uh, this GPT, with generative AI, in order to arrive at truth because it can make mistakes. And I think that um, that's what we have to keep in mind. Well, that just opened the door to about 15 different potential ways to take this conversation, right? Uh, because let's face it, we've been using computers to do logical processes better than us for a very long time because that's what a calculator does in some ways, right? right. We right. kind of acknowledge right. that it's it's. I mean, we can work it out on a scrap of paper, or we can punch it in and get a much quicker and uh, more accurate result. But this idea of truth. I mean, this is a different. Well, I mean, you watched a lot of movies. I mean, how many how many uh, sci-fi dystopian movies have been based on the idea of a an AI or a, you know some kind of a, a, a an android system making purely logical decisions without a human element? I mean, this is something that if you don't apply ethics to the development of it, you could go a lot of bad directions. Yeah, and I and uh, I think that the leaders in the AI field are becoming more and more aware of this, and they're asking uh, different people in the Vatican, different priests, etc., to uh, weigh in on the ethics and, and the morality of, of these systems, simply because we don't want to uh, give control to the machines. We want to maintain control and we want to use the machines for our own purposes to achieve our own goals, which I think is is admirable. I think that, that that's exactly what we should be doing. But we have to be careful when we turn control over to the machines or when we ask the machines to give us what the truth is. Uh, they, 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 they don't know. You know that, that I've always I love machines. I love AI. You know that. But AIs are dumb, you know. It, it, I don't. I, I don't mean that in a in a mean way. I mean that in, they're not aware. They're not conscious, and therefore they don't have access to the truth necessarily. They have access to a bunch of data. They have access to the internet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
But even Anthropic, and, and Sam Altman says the same thing, be careful when you use these tools and think that you're going to arrive at truthful results. You have to double check. And you have to be an expert in the field. You have to ask other people, et cetera. So let's, let's use these tools, but as tools, not to substitute the human intellect, but to help it. Well, and this is where that you know big ten dollar phrase that seems to come up every time here. Yeah, Christian anthropology matters. You know what is a human being, and you know what does it mean to be morally oriented? What does it mean uh, to? And you know the the developers of AI may fall on different places on this question, but we know where we fall about being made in the image of God. And so, if we're to reflect our Creator, it matters that what we create reflects us. Uh, you know, in a more true way, because I mean, anybody can, I mean, anybody can just look at a piece of paper and say, well, this is, this is what the logical quote unquote thing to do is. But I mean, if you're taking into account morality and humanity, I mean, there's a lot of things that would be logical to do in terms of raising my son, but I got to take his humanity into account, <laughs> right? When I decide how Absolutely. to, you know, how to correct him or how to form him. I mean, this is, that's just kind of basic parenting. Parenting is not done merely according to logic. Yeah, it's it's a great metaphor when you say we were created in the image and likeness of God. Well, we're creating artificial intelligence in our own image. So let's try to put our best image in uh, forward so that it will reflect the best of humanity, the best of, of what we're capable of and not the worst. So, you know, that's my prayer always that... Uh, keep let's keep focused and and make these tools uh, to work for us. Yeah, at the service of humanity, as opposed to in competition exactly. with humanity. Good exactly. stuff. Well, thanks so much, Father Philip Laray from Humanity 2.0. We've got his website linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. Okay, thanks, Matt. So long. All right, thanks for joining us on this Monday, July the thirty first. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. A blistering heat wave is not going away as record-setting temperatures move through the south. Heat indices, which factor in humidity, could soar above triple digits this week across states like Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. In the southwest, Phoenix has now topped 110 degrees for 31 straight days. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. The nonprofit group El Roy Haiti says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says it's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day that all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told to leave Haiti due to rising crime, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. The death toll continues to rise after a suicide bombing at a political rally in Pakistan. Mark Mayfield reports. Officials now say more than 50 people were killed and over 100 others injured in Sunday's attack. So far, no one has claimed responsibility for the bombing at a Sunni political convention in the northwestern region of the country. Local authorities say more than 500 people were attending the convention at the time of the deadly bombing. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Ukrainian minister who oversees the country's so-called army of drones says there will be more drone strikes to come after drones hit buildings in Moscow yesterday morning. Russia's defense ministry said drones hit two commercial buildings and claimed a third drone was destroyed before reaching Moscow. Also yesterday, Ukrainian drones targeted the Crimean Peninsula, which Russia 
annexed in 2014. Pope Francis has urged Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. Earlier this month, Moscow stopped allowing Ukraine to export grain, mostly to countries in Africa from its Black Sea ports. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father called on Russia to allow the shipments. He also renewed his prayers for the victims of the Beirut explosion that took place almost three years ago now on August 4th, 2020. He said, quote, I renew my prayer for the victims and their families who are seeking truth and justice, and I hope that Lebanon's complex crisis may find a solution worthy of the history and values of that people. He said, let us not forget that Lebanon is also a message, end quote. As the Pope prepares to head to Lisbon for World Youth Day this week, the Holy See has announced that he'll be traveling to Marseille in France in September. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Pope Francis will depart early in the afternoon of Friday, 22nd of September, arriving at Marseille International Airport. There he will be welcomed by the French President Emmanuel Macron. He will then preside a Marian prayer with the diocesan clergy in the Basilica of Notre Dame de la Garde, followed by a moment of reflection with religious leaders near the memorial dedicated to sailors and migrants lost at sea. On September the 23rd, after a private meeting with people experiencing economic hardship at the Archbishop's residence, Pope Francis will address the final session of the Mediterranean meetings at the Palais du Faro, where he will also meet with President Macron. Finally, in the afternoon, the Pope is scheduled to preside over Holy Mass at the Velodrome Stadium before departing to Rome. Marseille is the second French city visited by Pope Francis during his pontificate. He will also be the first pope to visit the multi-ethnic southern French port city since Clement VII did so in 1533. The Mediterranean meetings are organized and hosted by the Archdiocese of Marseille at the behest of its Archbishop, Cardinal Jean-Marc Avelin, following the Mediterranean Frontier of Peace meetings promoted by the Italian Episcopal Conference in 2020 and 2022 in the cities of Bari and Florence. The two gatherings brought together bishops as well as mayors of several countries bordering the Mediterranean to highlight the need for peace and fraternity in the vast sea region, a crossroad of peoples, religions and cultures now facing new epochal challenges. I am Lisa Zengarini. And gas prices are hitting an eight-month high. AAA says the national average is 3.75 a gallon as of yesterday. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com. skpha.com. For over 90 years, the Jesuit Spiritual Center at Milford has enriched the spiritual lives of youth and adults, offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality. Enter into the silence of a weekend retreat 
and experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola, Monday, July the 31st. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be a fairly nice day today. Right now, temperatures in the lower 70s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny, dry, and warm today with a high of 83 degrees. A few clouds tonight and cooler with an overnight low of 65. Mostly sunny and seasonable tomorrow with a high of 85 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, sunny skies today, a high of 83. Clear tonight and an overnight low of 59. It'll be mostly sunny skies tomorrow with a high of 85 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Find us online at sacredheartradio.com. It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on this feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Happy to have you with us. Father John Gavin is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Good morning, Father. Good morning. Hey, happy feast day. Thank you very much. We've got a number of celebrations happening here today. So Nice, nice. Anything you would like people to reflect on uh, on this feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola? Uh, I would certainly say, uh, looking at St. Ignatius, he really is... Uh, one who points to the power of prayer, right, and especially prayer with uh, the Scriptures in the life of Christ and the way that that forms us. Uh, and I think we need to hear that and practice that, especially in our world today. Amen to that. Love it. So today we continue our series on the Church Fathers and the Catechism. And so we're uh, talking about the church in paragraph 760, and I will read it here because this, oh my gosh, it just catches your breath. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Christians of the first century said the world was created for the sake of the church. God created the world for the sake of communion with his divine life, a communion brought about by the convocation of men in Christ, and this convocation is the church. The church is the goal of all things, and God permitted such painful upheavals as the angel's fall and man's sin only as occasions and means for displaying all the power of his arm and the whole measure of the love he wanted to give the world. And then this quote from St. Clement of Alexandria, just as God's will is creation and is called the world, so his intention is the salvation of men, and it is called the church. This, I'm, I'm so blown away by these statements. And uh, actually, in addition to St. Clement of Alexandria in here, is quoted the shepherd of Hermas. What is that? Yes, that is uh, or was a uh, very 
popular Christian work from probably the mid-2nd century, though some will put it earlier. And in fact, it was so popular, uh, St. Irenaeus, in talking about the canon of the New Testament, said many Christians wanted to include it. But because it was composed outside of the apostolic era, it, it, in the end, it was not obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's actually a series of visions and other material associated with an ex-slave named Hermas, and uh, among his visions, he actually has an encounter with the church, and the church appears to him as a woman first as a very old woman kind of bearing the sins of the people. And uh, then she gradually gets younger in each subsequent vision until she appears as a young bride of Christ. And I think allegorically what that vision is saying is that uh, the church is old and yet young at the same time, that the church, uh, the, really the formation of the church is at the heart of Christianity. And even in our fall, uh, bearing the sins, uh, that uh, she in Christ continues that formation and becoming ever younger and becoming that bride of Christ, because as we just heard, uh, creation exists for this communion with the divine life, and it is through the Church uh, that that will take place, uh, obviously, in the, uh, through the saving actions of Christ. Is such an incredible thought. Before I ask you more questions about that, let's get to Clement of Alexandria as well. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about him and where this quote comes from. So Clement of Alexandria uh, was also from the uh, second century, he was the uh, head of the catechetical school in Alexandria, so he was teaching catechumens. That was his uh, mission in the church. In fact, one of his most famous students was the theologian Origen of Alexandria. And he was one of the, the earliest. He was very well educated. And he was one of the earliest, we could say, uh, systematic theologians. I mean, really, uh, his works... Uh, draw on both philosophy and the scriptures to present the faith. And that quote that we just heard here, a really wonderful one, uh, he shows that the the mission of the church, he says here, is the salvation of humanity. That is to be uh, that instrument of God's will to draw all into the divine life of Father, Son, and Spirit. And so... Uh, As a catechetical teacher, he put that at the heart of his teaching and his preaching, uh, that it is the mission of the Church uh, through Christ to bring all into that uh, eternal union. Well, I think just like we can sort of get lost or we can can lose the, the sense that, like, well, this is in the, the section on the Holy Spirit, so let's use the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. as an example. There, there are those that, if they're not reading closely enough, might think that the Holy Spirit shows up for the first time at Pentecost, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I think the same way with the church, that we, we like to use the phrase, you know, oh, Pentecost is the birthday of the church. But really, mm-hmm. the church was in the mind of God from the very beginning, 
Exactly. And this is really, the fathers of the Church emphasize this regularly. Uh, in fact, even when you're, you're mentioning the, uh, the Holy Spirit, when they look at Genesis, uh, they see the Spirit as the Spirit of God over the waters and the creation of the world. But uh, the intention of God, as we heard from Clement, uh, they see even present in the book of Genesis, that the story of the Church uh, and the unfolding of God's intention, uh, even after the fall— uh, you know, the unfolding of God's intention, we can read there. So uh, the Church becomes revealed and formed in Christ, of course, but as we know, uh, that's already taking place in God's, uh, God's uh, relation to us in history, as we see in salvation history in the Old Testament already. So the Church is ever ancient and ever new. Well, Father, knowing that, I mean, to to go back to this quote from the Shepherd of Hermas, the world was created for the sake of the church. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, Father, what do you think that, how do you think that brings more urgency to our mission of evangelization today? Absolutely, I mean, especially today when you know so many see creation as simply meaningless, right? It's just... Yeah a bunch of atoms crashing into one another. And uh, we Christians, more than ever, need to put forward uh, the gospel message that we have been missioned to share. Uh, So in the sense that, obviously, creation exists to glorify God. But uh, we, as the Church, in union with Christ, are meant to give voice to that glory so that all may come to share in in that great song that we are to sing uh, to God in eternity. And that is the meaning of all things. And we really need to get that message uh, presented today. Absolutely. We've been talking to Father John Gavin. You can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, some incredible thoughts here today. Thank you so much for bringing them to light through the Church Fathers. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. And again, happy feast day. Hope it's a good one for you. Thank you so much. God bless. You too, Father. Thanks. All right. It's uh, 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, 
ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. To ask, why should I pray, is the same as asking, why should I raise my mind and heart to God, since that's what prayer is. But when stated like that, it's pretty obvious. We need to pray because God is He to whom our minds and hearts are ultimately directed. Union with Him is our ultimate destiny. Without prayer, we lose our direction to God as our ultimate end, and thus set ourselves on a path that leads back into the slavery of sin. Today on More to Life, Unstuck. Are challenges making you feel trapped? We're going to help you move forward. That's today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Dr. Jared Stout is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. Good morning, Dr. Stout. Good morning. So we're talking today about the Eucharist and the dignity of the human person. Now, to lay the groundwork for our conversation, Dr. Stout, can you explain the Gnostic heresy and what Gnostics believed about the human body? Yes, Gnosticism was part of a general position of dualism in the ancient world. So it was very common, um, even amongst ancient Greeks and the philosophers, to view the body as evil— and the world of spirit to be good, and that we needed to be liberated from material things, um, even just the the physical world of creation. Um, And so Gnosticism was one particular variety of that, and it even became blended with Judaism by some people, and also with some Christian elements uh, as well. And so it was a heresy already addressed in the uh, the Bible itself, you see, like the first letter of John um, talking about it, um, and also by early church fathers. Yeah, so to to sort of get at the, the Orthodox Christian response to this heresy, talk first about the importance of understanding the Incarnation. It seems that at the beginning of John's Gospel, he did have the Gnostics in mind when he mm. said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the Incarnation really undoes any position that would view the material world or our own bodies as evil. Um, They're fundamentally good. God, who made them, took on our flesh, our humanity, and that is part of our redemption, that Christ actually enters into the world, enters into our humanity to sanctify them. They're already good because he made them, but obviously we are taking them in the wrong direction through sin. Um, But the answer to sin was to come into uh, the world which he made, into his own, um, and to save it from the inside out. Yeah, so then let's bring the Eucharist into this teaching. How does the Eucharist affirm the dignity of the body and the human person? Well, we see in some of the earliest writings um, of the Church Fathers um, that the denial of the Incarnation by the Gnostics also led them to deny the Eucharist. And so um, St. Ignatius of Antioch, for instance, says, you know, there are heretics 
who do not believe that the Eucharist is the flesh of Christ, and he's writing around the year 100. But both uh, for St. Ignatius of Antioch and then St. Irenaeus of Lyon writing in the mid-2nd century, they both say that because we eat the flesh of Christ, that our own bodies will be saved, they'll be raised up on the last day. And, And so the Eucharist was actually essential to overcome the Gnostic heresy uh, and to say that, you know, God actually views us as good. And to prove that to us, you know, he's not only taken on our own flesh, but he's given us this flesh to eat, and that sanctifies our bodies. Um, It sanctifies the world, um, and it is the source of our eternal salvation. So if Jesus came into the world to save it from within— when he gives us his own flesh to eat, he's sanctifying our flesh and saving us from within. You know, I'm wondering if we can extend this out to this day and age. Do you think that we're we're dealing in our day with a sort of maybe neo-Gnosticism in that there are these people who seem to think that you can and should be able to change the body to, quote, line up with what you believe is your spirit. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, transgenderism, for instance. Do you think that that is, is sort of a, a, a mutation of Gnosticism in a way? Well, Hilaire Belloc said that there were some perennial heresies that always crop up, and Gnosticism is one of them. It broke out in the, the Albigensian heresy in the Middle Ages. And it's certainly present. And even in a spiritual way, you can look at it through the New Age, Mm-hmm. Um, which in many ways is a, is a kind of dualism as well. And I think in tr- what Pope Francis said about transgenderism is that it is a denial of the gift of the body, right? That the body is, is given to us by God, and we must receive it as a gift from Him. Um, and so transgenderism would break that connection then to the Creator. And that's what the early Gnostics were doing, right? They actually said that, yeah, creation is bad. It's not the, the fruit of the, of the good God. So there, there is a way uh, in which we view creation, well, not even as creation, not as a gift, not as something that has to be accepted. We make ourselves to be God um, over it because we say that we're the ones in charge of it. We can change it. We can make it into our image there is then a disconnect. Now, there's a lot that could be said about the, the problem of transgenderism, but insofar as it views the body as something that has to be overcome, mm-hmm. we can certainly see a fundamental disposition like Gnosticism. And I'm wondering if maybe, do you think that the Eucharist has an answer for, for that sort of form of Gnosticism? Well, if we're struggling with problems of identity, whether it's bodily identity, but also spiritual identity, I think what Jesus offers us is an invitation to find our identity through his body, blood, soul, and divinity, so that there is a a coming together to be one flesh with Jesus, to be one spirit with Jesus in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And and it's a it's a wonderful gift of as Irenaeus says of nourishment. We're being nourished in our flesh, as he says. We're obviously being nourished in our spirit. And so I think Jesus teaches us what it means to be a child of God. He teaches us, I think, what it means to be a tabernacle um, in this world. And he teaches us the meaning of flesh. Like, what does it mean to be an enfleshed spirit? And Jesus shows us it's about giving of ourselves to others. And I think that's fundamentally what the Eucharist is about. It's a gift. And the Spirit is manifested through flesh. 
So if we're struggling who we are with, with who we are, we need to deflect the focus from me to others, to ultimately to God, but even just to give of ourselves through our bodies to those we love around us. That was a really beautiful response, Dr. Stout. I'm so glad I asked you the question. <laughs> the book is called How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. It's from Tan Books. I've been learning so much from it and hope you will pick up a copy as well. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Jared Stout, thank you. Thank you. Matt, did you ever think about it like that? I don't know that I have. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, the... I mean, it's just like to to make these links from the incarnation to the Eucharist to us being part of the body of Christ and our inherent dignity just being made in the image and after the likeness of God. I mean, it's just like to put all of that together. And then we had kind of an incarnational flow to the hour. I know. Right. Like what is a human being and what is it that we're trying to make when we make A.I.? Mm-hmm. Well, then that was Father Loray. Yeah. And then we went into Father Gavin about, well, what does it mean? What were we created for as the body of Christ mm-hmm. with Father John Gavin? Flowing into what you just talked about, Dr. Jared Stout. I don't know what other morning radio shows talk about. Puppies and <laughs> cereals and stuff. But that's what we talk about. Another full hour coming up. It's Three Till. The seven sacraments act as a channel of grace to receive God's love more fully. And soon, Sacred Heart Radio will be on seven media platforms to channel the message of God's love more fully, including on the radio and our app, stream, podcast, and smart speaker through sacredheartradio.com and on Spotify. And in September, you'll see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. If you'd like to help us channel the message of God's love to many more, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Donate. And thank you. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. I am Deacon Mike Erb with Coldwell Banker Realty, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio because I am a faithful listener and I'm happy to help you with buying or selling your home. 513-237-8888. That's 513-237-8888. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. This is Father Benedict Kensler, pastor of Our Lady of Victory in Delhi. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. continue on this 31st of July on Monday. It's the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Let's pray his generosity prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, teach me to be generous. Teach me to serve you as you deserve, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for reward. Save that of knowing that I do your will. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on a Monday as we close out the month of July. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. And up this hour, we look forward to catching up with Teresa Tamio from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. See what she's been up to this weekend. Brennan Hodge normally is our stat man from the pillar, but he's going to reflect on what Dorothy L. Sayers had to say about classical learning. She's actually got some fairly famous things to say about classical learning. Peter Breen will uh, join us as well from the Thomas More Society lawsuit against Illinois' new law targeting pregnancy care centers. And then Stephanie Mann will share with us more stories from the English martyrs. So stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. A blistering heat wave is not going away this week as record-setting temperatures continue to move through the south. Heat indexes, heat indices, which factor in humidity, could soar above triple digits again this week across states like Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. In the southwest, Phoenix has now gone above 110 degrees for 31 straight days. More than 100 million Americans were under heat alerts over the weekend. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. Mark Mayfield has the story. The nonprofit group El Ra Haiti says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says it's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day that all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told to leave Haiti due to rising crime, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. I'm Mark Mayfield. 
Pope Francis has urged Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. Earlier this month, Moscow stopped allowing Ukraine to export its grain, mostly to countries in Africa, from its Black Sea ports. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father called on Russia to allow the shipments. He said, I appeal to my brothers, the authorities of the Russian Federation, so that the Black Sea initiative may be resumed and grain may be transported safely, end quote. The Holy Father also renewed his prayers for the victims of the Beirut explosion in Lebanon, which took place almost three years ago on August 4th, 2020. He said, I renew my prayer for the victims and their families who are seeking truth and justice, and I hope Lebanon's complex crisis may find a solution worthy of the history and values of that people. Let us not forget, he said, that Lebanon is also a message, end quote. During his, also during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father reflected on the actions of the merchant who sought and found the precious pearl. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The first action of the enterprising merchant, said the Pope, is to go out and seek precious pearls, which demonstrates his desire to cultivate dreams of good and search for something new. This curiosity and drive, he said, is what we need in seeking the newness of the Lord, because the Lord, he said, is not repetitive, but always making the realities of life new. While searching for the precious pearl, the merchant then finds what he is looking for, since he has a sharp eye and knows how to recognize the pearl of great value. The Pope said this methodic process of careful discernment offers a teaching for us in that we must also learn to discern what is good and precious. We need to seek what matters and is of value for our lives to train ourselves to see the precious gems of life from what is of no use or benefit. Let us not waste time and freedom on trivial things, said the Pope, pastimes that leave us empty inside while life offers us every day the precious pearl of the encounter with God and with others. The Pope then described the merchant's last action when he buys the pearl, selling and sacrificing everything he has since he realizes its immense value has to be his only wealth, the meaning of his present and his future. This action speaks to us as well, the Pope explained, as we are invited to welcome the Lord Jesus, the precious pearl of our life, to be sought, found, and made one's own. The Pope said that when one encounters Christ, life changes and finds ultimate meaning in the embrace of God. The Pope said we should ask ourselves what we really seek in life and whether we are making an effort to search for God and do good. He then suggested we practice discernment on what is truly good and comes from God and what leaves us empty and needs to be put aside. Finally, the Pope suggested that we look at our lives and ask if we have given up everything to make the Lord the center of our lives, our greatest good now and always. I'm Devin Watkins. Olympic champion Katie Ledecky now holds more individual world titles than any other swimmer. Ledecky tied and then broke Michael Phelps' record over the weekend at the World Aquatic Championships in Japan. She claimed her 16th world title and passed Phelps on Saturday when she won the 800-meter freestyle. The 26-year-old Ledecky tied Phelps' record last Tuesday with a win in the 1,500-meter freestyle. And an Australian man has been crowned Scrabble World Champion. David Eldar won $10,000 and bragging rights after besting his opponent at the World Scrabble Championship in Las Vegas over the weekend. More than 132 players competed for the title over the course of the four-day event. Eldar played some unique words like thrimsis, 
and Sosati. But ultimately, his final word in the winning game was women. Okay. Do women you know get what, the final word. Do you know what the rimses were, are? Uh, I don't. A seventh. Is it three, uh, is it three M's? A seventh century gold coin and corresponding unit of value of Anglo-Saxon England. So I feel like you should mostly just use words that are words that you might use. But here's the thing. I bet you I could take that guy out in speed scrabble. He might get me in a long game where he's got five minutes to think about a word. But in speed scrabble, which there's a corrupted version of speed scrabble out there called bananagrams. But in speed scrabble, mm-hmm. get me a Ziploc bag full of tiles. I'd take that man to the mat. Do you know what Sosatis are? Uh, no. South African lamb and apricot kebabs. Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to switch up my breakfast plans. I know, right? Get some Sosatis up in here. All right. Well, there Chris you have Tamio, it. now joining us from EWTN Navi Maria Radio's uh, Catholic Connection. Chew up that last bite of Sosatis and... Uh, and say hello to the listeners this morning, Teresa. <laughs> Actually, I was just drinking a good, strong cup of coffee that Deacon Dom made. But uh, good morning, buongiorno, as we say in Italy. Yeah, you got to have that to wash the, the Sosati uh, taste out a little bit, uh, the coffee. It offsets yeah. the bitterness. Hey, so I know that you've been to Rome to cover some canonizations. Uh, you've been in yep. Rome when people have been, some, been canonized. So yep. uh, today is the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola, canonized Love on March him. Mm-hmm. March 12th, 1622. And I want you to think about what it would have been like to cover that ceremony because you know who else was canonized that same day? You ready? Do you know off the top I'm of ready. your head? No. Uh, all right. So canonized on March 12th, 1622. There were a few of them. There was St. Ignatius of Loyola. There was Francis Xavier, another big wow. Jesuit, on the same day. Philip Neary canonized same day. Wow. And Teresa of Avila. All canonized I was going to say Teresa of Avila. That date was very familiar with me because of her, because she's my, my patron and my favorite. But can you imagine like to cover all that of them? One. Wow. That would have been incredible. Absolutely incredible. So uh, just to, to before we get into some other stuff, uh, what is it like to watch that in person when the church makes the call and is like, this person is going to be held up for uh, as long as we're around as an example of what it means to be a Christian? I mean, what is it like to see somebody put up there? It's pretty phenomenal. I've been to several of them, and, and what they do is happens during the Mass. The Pope is there at the Mass, and they have a banner up, and then they, they actually read. They make the announcement during Mass. And the actual um, canonization is pretty quick, but the, the, the uh, preparation for it and the way the, uh, you know, St. Peter's is decked out in terms of reminders of the saint and just leading up to it, I think the anticipation for it is even more exciting than the actual canonization itself, which you have to watch closely because it can happen quickly, and you could miss it if you're not there, if you step away or something, but it happens during the Mass. It's just very moving, and, and everybody cheers, and you just feel like it's just such a way to be part of the Universal Church to attend something like that, or if you can watch it, even get up early in the morning and watch it on EW10, which usually carries those events live. It's, it's just really powerful. And the, the neatest thing is, is to see the people and their reaction, especially the people who have come from the native country where the saint you know, hails from, to see their excitement and their pride in, in, in their you know, native person becoming a saint. It's, it's very, very moving, very moving. Yeah, you had to have a lot of Spanish-speaking uh, stuff going on. You've got Ignatius of Loyola and Teresa Avila on the same day. So real quick then, 
What's your favorite canonization off the top of your head? I probably think it would be Mother, uh, blessed, uh, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. I was able to cover that. And I, because I met her, I actually met her yeah. when I was a news intern at a radio station in Detroit many moons ago. It was my sophomore, going into my junior year of college. And I was interning at a news station in Detroit, and there was a noon radio show. And I was in charge of, in addition to working in the newsroom, I would bring the guests up to the green room, which we call it in broadcasting, and I had to go down to the lobby and meet the guests and their representative to bring them up. So I had, I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with her, I mean, thinking about who she is, right? And she gave me a, you know, a little blessing and, you know, made the sign of the cross on my forehead. No, it's not an official blessing because, you know, she's not, well, I, it, technically. But it was just so beautiful for her to pray over me. She prayed over me in, in the elevator. And we were talking about our names, spelling them the same way, T-E and not TH, and nice. she just said, you know, best of luck to you, I'll pray for you, and then I, I was able to chat with her and get her a cup of tea, and it was just incredible. So that experience all came back to me, and the fact that I had spent time not knowing that, but my mother had a sense. When I came home, she said in New Jersey accent, oh, my goodness, you, you, you met a saint, you met a saint, and, yeah, she was right. She was right. Yeah, there she is. She was right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, speaking of Rosie, yeah. uh, you got some new stuff uh, regarding your book, uh, Everything's Coming Up, Rosie. Yeah, I wanted to let uh, people know. Uh, Kelly Walquist with Wine, an amazing ministry, Women in the New Evangelization, CatholicVineyard.com. If you go to the homepage, you'll see a beautiful link there for the Wine Virtual Book Club. It starts on September 5th, and it goes through October 10th, and it's based on the Rosie book. Everything's coming up Rosie. And so if you, if you can purchase this really cool package, it's got a beautiful journal and a study guide that goes with it. And so if you follow along, you can do it in a parish, you can do it in a, a, you know, a small group, a home book club, or do it yourself. You get the book, you get the journal, and you get the prayer card. And in the actual book club, we actually do videos. We're going to be doing live events and then videos that we recorded in Italy earlier this year. So it's a really beautiful journal, and the the person who did the um, – the beautiful, beautiful pictures in here. The uh, it's just gorgeous because you can color. It's like an adult coloring book too. So there's a lot of roses in there, a lot of flowers, and it's just a great way to dive more deeply into the book and your own journey with God and some of the teachings that I bring up with the book. But it's a lot of fun. We have really cool videos again from Italy, including one that we shot in Spello on the Feast of Corpus Christi. Spello is known as the City of Flowers, and it was just gorgeous. So it's going to be really fun. It starts on September 5th. There'll be a combination of live. Uh, connections and then also Catholic connections in another way, such as videos, and you can buy the whole parish. Just go to catholicvineyard.com. Start September 5th. Cool, like a, like a coffee club kind of thing that you could do. Yeah. There. Yeah. Or a wine like a club. You get together a with your club. girls and have a little Depending glass on what of wine. time of day yeah. you do it, I suppose, Teresa. You know. Exactly. And in moderation, of course. Of course. You, you, have, you start your mimosa Bible study. There you go. <laughs> get all kinds of interesting reflections coming out of that one. In moderation, of course, but you can have a nice little toast with your friends, maybe a little wine and cheese, and, and get together, watch the videos, and talk about the book. The journal is really, really pretty. You, wait, you say it starts when? It starts September 5th. The illustrations in this journal are gorgeous. So, yeah, September 5th through October 10th. You know whose feast day is September 5th? I'll you are amazing. Who? St. Teresa of Calcutta. <gasps> Look at that. I wonder if Kelly did that on purpose. I, don't, I thought That's you did after. it on purpose. No, uh, Kelly Kelly ran this whole baby. This is her baby. She she's the one who said I want to do the book club. And I said, "Okay, girlfriend, go for it." I didn't see that is something. Look at that. I, I, I remember it cuz I was a freshman in college, September 5th, 1997. God. What do you know? Yeah. See, I thought you planned this whole segment out start to finish to set that up. 
No, uh, well, I, I didn't. I was, I, just, I was just motivated because I got the I got the journal on Friday. I got the whole package, and I was looking at it, and I said, gosh, this is so pretty. I want to tell people about it. I'll be talking about it as we get closer, but I didn't know. I was just looking well, at the journal. Well, anybody ask you, tell them that you figured that out yourself. Yeah, don't, don't get me. I'm sorry? you got to say what? that you did that on purpose if somebody <laughs> asks you. You said I did it on purpose. No, I'll no, give no, you the, the attribution, okay? I take no I got to stay invisible. I don't want my reward in this life, Teresa. <laughs> we'll be listening really, to Catholic Connection really later this study. morning. I hope people can join us. And yeah, definitely check out Teresa's uh, stuff there and get involved in that. We've got Teresa linked on, uh, at sunrisemorningshow.com if you want to connect. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, son. God bless. Bye-bye. All right, we're back with headlines right after this. It's 16 minutes past the hour. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for Wings, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the Wings link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your Wings today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. There's a desperate search underway now to find two missing Americans in Haiti. Pope Francis, during his Angelus address yesterday, urged Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. And as the Pope prepares to head to Lisbon for World Youth Day this week, the Holy See has announced he'll be traveling to Marseille in September. All right, news at the top and bottom of each hour. Every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, of course, today the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And uh, you mentioned that World Youth Day 2023 is uh, is throwing down. You remember World Youth Day 2011 in Madrid mm-hmm. uh, was in August of that year. And one of the patron saints of that World Youth Day. St. Ignatius. St. Ignatius of Loyola. Because he's one of the big Spanish saints. You know, I was looking at this. You know, speaking of lining up the calendar. Ignatius of Loyola... Um, if you were to drop into Spain in uh, 1650 mm-hmm. 
and uh, and roll around. You just want to go from Spanish place to Spanish place. You could uh, at various points. I'm sorry, 1550. I was going to say could, I was like just in the 15. Well, you could visit all the grave sites, but if you were <laughs> if you to drop into Spain in 1550, you could schedule visits and show up at the doorsteps of Saint Ignatius of Loyola. Mm-hmm. St. John of Avila, mm-hmm. St. John of the Cross, mm-hmm. and St. Teresa of Avila, mm-hmm. all in Spain, alive and doing their thing. Spain was in 1550. a hotbed of saints in the post-Reformation period. I mean, this was where, well, I should That's even three say doctors of the church, by the way, and the, Catholic, the founder of the Jesuits. The Catholic Restoration period, um, very much on fire in Spain, uh, particularly with the founding of the Jesuits and, of course, with the the, re- the reform of the Carmelites under the uh, the Avila saints, as you were just um, naming them off. Well, I mean, Francis Xavier as well in the mix. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're, I mean, it's a... Peter Faber. So there's well, a lot. Yeah. There's a lot in there. Well, well, I mean, in times of crisis, this should be a a it's rallying the perpetual point, lesson, right? A rallying point for us today because we see the crisis in our world, and and that is when saints come. Well, I shouldn't say come to be. That is when saints really. Oh, they let's shine. use a let's use a Spanish a Spanish metaphor. That's when saints really take the bull by the horns. I take the bull by the horns. Mm-hmm. We'll take the bull then by the horns. Saints convert the world. Yep. A lot better than policies can. Amen. It's 21 past. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Dr. Miriam Grossman will discuss her new book, Lost in Translation. Attorney Ken Craycraft will tell us what issue one really says and why we should support it. I'll reflect on the life of St. Ignatius Loyola, the frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Hi, I'm Patrick Cagney with Cagney Family Real Estate, Coldwell Banker. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, sister, Mar, and I have more than 60 years of real estate experience to help you with the most important buying and selling decisions. 513-319-7312. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery. 
and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at Beacon Ortho. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Brendan Hodge. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic Blog, author of If You Can Get It from Ignatius Press and a contributing editor to The Pillar. Brendan, good morning. Good morning. Great to be on with you. It is great to have you back. And you've written over at Darwin Catholic on an essay by Dorothy L. Sayers on classical education. Now, Dorothy Sayers, probably best known for her Lord Peter Whimsy mysteries. She translated the Divine Comedy by Dante, but wrote about a lot of things, including classical education. So first of all, give us a basic definition. What is classical education? Dorothy Sayers gave a talk in 1947 called The Lost Tools of Learning, and she describes classical education as being rooted in the way that Western culture has done education as it was formed in the ancient and medieval eras. Um, and then she roots that in the, um, the trivium and the quadrivium. So these were the areas of study that people studied in the ancient and medieval world. So can you talk about why she decided to, to talk about this, to write about this? What, why did she think that classical education was important? So she opens up with a set of concerns which in some ways sound very modern. She says that uh, as she looks around the world in 1947, that people in some ways are more educated than ever. They have access to more information than ever. And yet what have they done with that? But they've become more subject to propaganda to rumor and to being led astray by people who have a large media bullhorn. So she talked about the power of radio and of newspapers, about the way that people have been able to stir people up and lead them into modern ideologies, and that a lot of people seem to have the ability to read and consume information, but no ability to really discern what is true and how we can measure the truth of something. Hmm. Ever ancient, ever new, I suppose, Brendan. I mean, we have new forms of of communication, of course, which make this uh, all the more urgent of an issue. So let's go back to what you were saying. You said there was a, how do you pronounce them? Quad vivium and trivivium, is that right? What are these uh, things? She talks about the trivium and the quadrivium, which okay. is, Simply, sort of the three subjects and the four subjects. Oh, okay. And, so, what are uh, they? This was so. This was the breakdown of the medieval curriculum. The trivium were the three basic subjects, which kind of prepared you to learn everything else. And these were uh, grammar, uh, dialectic, and rhetoric. And dialectic, you could think of as being uh, basically logic, uh, or logic with a little bit of sort of how to make an argument or debate combined in there. And then quadrivium were the more advanced subjects that people studied once they mastered those basic three. And those were arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. Interesting. So 
is there any um, is there there any sort of underlying uh, basis for why those would be the most important subjects for children to to really master? Well, what Sayers does is she take she focuses really on that trivium, those basic three subjects, because the way that she talks about it is that these are the subjects that people studied prior to going to university. And then when you went to university, you specialized in these deeper subjects. And what she says is that sort of the, the basic foundation, obviously, for learning is uh, learning to read and write and then learning uh, the, sort of to cipher, as she puts it, so just the basics of uh, arithmetic. But that uh, when we think about grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric, we should think of these as three modes of learning. So grammar is kind of the building blocks of a subject, the way that uh, the, the basic pieces that you would use to put something together. So she talks about in history, the building blocks for a child might be famous people, um, eras, dates, kind of the key things that will help them put things together. Uh, dialectic or rhetoric is the way that those things fit together. So it's starting to put together the logic of how these building blocks go together into a structure and how we can understand the way that they interact and what they mean together. And then rhetoric is when you take those those building blocks and the way they fit together and you use them to say something persuasive and logical to someone else, to make an argument about what the past means or what science means or what mathematics means. When you take these pieces and you express yourself by putting them together in a logical way. And to kind of illustrate why these are are important to master rather than, you know, like the information in, information out, teaching to the test kind of method that a lot of us experienced uh, going through um, our our early schooling years. You offer an example in here about learning to code. Can you explain? Yeah, so my background is that I was a classics major, so I studied Greek and Latin in college, but I, I now work uh, in programming and computers and data science. And so I, I talked about how uh, this breakdown really applies to how you learn almost anything. So the grammar, say, of learning to code is learning the basic functions and subroutines, the key terms that you need to use in a coding language. The, the um, dialectic or uh, logic phase is understanding how those functions operate together so that the structure of how you can put together a, um, a, a function or a subroutine out of those pieces. And then uh, the uh, re rhetoric stage is being able to actually take those basic building blocks and the way that they fit together and then look at some creative project that you need to achieve and you need to get done and put them together in a new and unique way, which is yours, in order to achieve that goal. And if you think about it in that basic way, that's really how we learn and attack almost anything in life. Yeah, absolutely. DarwinCatholic.blogspot.com is where you can go to get it. Brendan Hodge, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The sweltering heat wave continues with record-setting temperatures moving through the south. Heat indices could soar above triple digits this week across states like Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. In the southwest, Phoenix has topped 110 degrees for 31 straight days now. Meantime, recent powerful storms that hit the east coast did bring some relief from the heat.
but also caused damage and knocked out power for tens of thousands of customers. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. The nonprofit group El Roy Haiti says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says it's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day that all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told to leave Haiti due to rising crime, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. The death toll continues to rise after a suicide bombing at a political rally in Pakistan. Mark Mayfield has more. Officials now say more than 50 people were killed and over 100 others injured in Sunday's attack. So far, no one has claimed responsibility for the bombing at a Sunni political convention in the northwestern region of the country. Local authorities say more than 500 people were attending the convention at the time of the deadly bombing. I'm Mark Neefield. Pope Francis has urged Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. Earlier this month, Moscow stopped allowing Ukraine to export grain, mostly to countries in Africa, from its Black Sea ports. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father called on Russia to allow the shipments again. He also renewed his prayers for the victims of the Beirut explosion, which took place almost three years ago now on August 4th, 2020. He said, I renew my prayer for the victims and their families who are seeking truth and justice. And I hope that Lebanon's complex crisis may find a solution worthy of the history and values of that people. He said, let us not forget that Lebanon is also a message. As the Pope prepares to head to Lisbon for World Youth Day this week, the Holy See has announced that he will be traveling to Marseille and France in September. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Pope Francis will depart early in the afternoon of Friday, 22nd of September, arriving at Marseille International Airport. There he will be welcomed by the French President Emmanuel Macron. He will then preside a Marian prayer with the diocesan clergy in the Basilica of Notre-Dame de la Garde, followed by a moment of reflection with religious leaders near the memorial dedicated to sailors and migrants lost at sea. On September the 23rd, after a private meeting with people experiencing economic hardship at the Archbishop's residence, Pope Francis will address the final session of the Mediterranean meetings at the Palais du Faro, where he will also meet with President Macron. Finally, in the afternoon, the Pope is scheduled to preside over Holy Mass at the Velodrome Stadium before departing to Rome. Marseille is the second French city visited by Pope Francis during his pontificate. He will also be the first pope to visit the multi-ethnic southern French port city since Clement VII did so in 1533. The Mediterranean meetings are organized and hosted by the Archdiocese of Marseille at the behest of its Archbishop, Cardinal Jean-Marc Avellin, following the Mediterranean Frontier of Peace meetings promoted by the Italian Episcopal Conference in 2020 and 2022 in the cities of Bari and Florence. The two gatherings brought together bishops as well as mayors of several countries bordering the Mediterranean to highlight the need for peace and fraternity in the vast sea region, a crossroad of peoples, religions and cultures now facing new epochal challenges. 
I am Lisa Zingarini. And gas prices are surging to an eight-month high. AAA says the national average for a gallon of regular unleaded hit three seventy-five a gallon yesterday. That is seventeen cents more than last week. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's thirty-five past the hour. The podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith lets you replay and share an interview. They even have markers to help you find the interview quickly. Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast are in the daily show notes at sacredheartradio.com. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at bridgetownfinermeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at bridgetownfinermeats.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola, Monday, July the 31st. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be a fairly nice day today. Right now, temperatures in the lower 70s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly sunny, dry, and warm today with a high of 83 degrees. A few clouds tonight and cooler with an overnight low of 65. Mostly sunny and seasonable tomorrow with a high of 85 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, sunny skies today, a high of 83. Clear tonight and an overnight low of 59. It'll be mostly sunny skies tomorrow with a high of 85 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Find us online at sacredheartradio.com. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Peter Breen. He's executive director and head of litigation for the Thomas More Society. Peter, welcome back to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Thank you. Glad to have you. So the governor of Illinois has signed the so-called Deceptive Practices of Limited Services Pregnancy Centers Act. Now, this is an amendment to a state law against consumer fraud and deceptive business practices. What does that have to do with pregnancy centers? Well, what they've done with this bill and now law is to very specifically target pro-life speech. And they've said that pregnancy centers, they don't like the way that pregnancy centers have highlighted the dangers and problems of abortion. And so in the actual law, they cite certain things that they believe that pregnancy centers say and say that those are false. So they would say, well, uh, pregnancy centers are saying that abortion could cause problems with your future fertility. Now, any of us who have lived on the planet for more than a couple of minutes 
understand that that has happened to numerous people. Many of us know people who've had abortions, and then you've got issues with fertility down the road. Uh, But the Illinois General Assembly would ban pregnancy centers from talking about that with pregnant women who are considering abortion. So that, plus also specially targeting pregnancy centers and exempting abortion facilities from these new regulations, uh, make this a flagrantly unconstitutional law. Wait, abortion centers are exempted from consumer fraud and deceptive business practices um, uh, legislation? Well, so this new legislation. So generally, everybody's covered. So every business that's out there is covered by just the broad uh, Deceptive Business Practices Act. And uh, so everybody's apply that applies to everybody, pregnancy centers, abortion facilities, what have you. But this new law only applies to pregnancy centers, and you're totally exempt if you are willing to refer for either abortions or emergency contraception, which often has an abortifacient effect. So all you, it's, when, when you're looking at how narrow this is, we would say from a First Amendment perspective, it's viewpoint discriminatory. It's targeted just at people of faith, pro-life folks, uh, because of their beliefs. So it's unconstitutional there. But even more broadly, the government can't say, well, pro-life speech is misinformation or your speech about abortion uh, is wrong. The government doesn't get to make that call. So tell us about the lawsuit that you have filed to combat this. So just this past Thursday, the governor signed the law at noon. We were on file uh, by about 1 o'clock. The attorney general was scheduled to have a press conference at 2 o'clock, and we were able to drop paper on him to sue him you know, with an emergency lawsuit to, to seek a temporary restraining order to stop him from enforcing this new law. And right now we are waiting. Uh, we're waiting for the court to give us a ruling, uh, you know, further guidance on how to proceed. Is it? I mean, usually, Peter, when I have been following, um, you know, other states that are enacting pro-life laws, for instance, I think about, you know, various heartbeat laws that are going into that have been signed into law. I mean, almost immediately there's a judge that's blocking it, putting an injunction on it to uh, to keep it from being enforced. Um, That didn't happen right away with with the judge that you filed with. Well, and, and we're still waiting. So it did not happen right away. And, and uh, so I, I, I'm not uh, reading anything into it at this point, okay. uh, in part okay. because the, the attorney general has to take an affirmative step to enforce the law. So he'd have to serve subpoenas or file a lawsuit. And so, you know, the fact that we've filed this before he even did his press conference, the nice thing is if he does decide to do anything in this short intervening time while we're looking for injunctive relief, you know, it'll all be subject to the federal court's uh, jurisdiction because you know, the federal court can't step in when the state officials have already started their enforcement proceedings uh, oftentimes. So that's why it's very important to get in on the front end uh, before any of our pregnancy centers in Illinois can get, you know, before you can really take these steps against our centers in Illinois. Okay, so the, the law is not currently being enforced yet. Is that right? Well, yeah, not to get too deep in the weeds. So it is enforceable. Uh, except we've filed this lawsuit, so we've really put a marker down. And and really, I, I usually we'd expect to hear something from the judge today in terms of what how he wants to proceed. Uh, in those abortion law cases, uh, sometimes you know, you've got people saying, "I am scheduled for an abortion tomorrow. I need immediate relief." So here, uh, you know, our our point is 
we're trying to continue doing our ministry, and we do not want to be subject to the attorney general's uh, heavy hand. You know, the, the difficulty is he didn't come out and say, I'm going to shut down the, you know, this women's center in Chicago or that particular facility. But it's just we know full well he, you know, he said you know, he drafted this law, and he's very much intending on enforcing it as soon, you know, as soon as he gets around to it, I guess. So you have filed this lawsuit on behalf of NIFLA, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about NIFLA? Yeah, so NIFLA is one of the nationwide pregnancy center networks. So they have 81 members in Illinois out of our roughly 100 or so pregnancy centers. And pretty much all the big centers are members of NIFLA. And so that what we're by being able to sue on their behalf, and, and we were honored to be chosen to uh, represent them, uh, we can then get protection pretty much for all of the pregnancy centers in Illinois effectively. Uh, we're also suing for sidewalk counseling organizations, so the Pro-Life Action League. Uh, there's a Rockford Family Initiative, which works in the uh, city of Rockford area, their, their new abortion facilities. Uh, and so this law was actually drafted broadly enough to cover sidewalk counseling organizations, not just physical pregnancy centers. But it, it specifically said we include mobile pregnancy centers and any organization doing pregnancy counseling. Um, so if you can imagine, all of our sidewalk counselors are subject to this. Uh, so we, you know, it was part of why we knew we needed to get into court. This is the worst law in the country uh, of this type of law. Um, so it's, it's Illinois really taking a horrible step um, you know, it's my home state, but, you know, we're the most corrupt and bankrupt state in the country. And this is just this was not not desired by the people of the state. Well, I mean, it seems so obvious to all of us that that this is, you know, just totally infringing on on so many rights for pro-life pregnancy centers. But that said, Peter, what are your um I mean, what are your hopes? Do you do you feel like this is is going to play out well um, in court for for the Thomas More Society and NIFLA? I, well, so I, I can never predict exactly what's going to happen in court. I mean, you, you get yourself in trouble trying to do that. Sure. But we are we are extremely confident in the strength of our legal arguments. Look, if we don't get relief at the district court, we will go to the Seventh Circuit. If we don't get relief there, we would go to the Supreme Court. I mean, th this sort of law has got to be stopped, especially when it is the worst of its kind. I mean, you know, all, all of these states that have the pro-abortion leaders, they are they are copying each other. So they find something that works in one state. They are exporting it quickly to all of the other states. So you could – I mean, if if this law were allowed to go into effect and it were enforced to its full terms – it very well could shut down pregnancy centers, you know, in any state that had such a law. We've been talking to Peter Breen, and he is the executive vice president and head of litigation for the Thomas More Society. And Peter, if listeners want to find out more about your work in general and also about this case specifically, where can they go? Sure. ThomasMoreSociety.org. ThomasMoreSociety.org. And more is with one O. Uh, so just for spelling them. But that is the best place to get in touch with us. Sign up for the newsletter and what have you. And you can find the Thomas More Society linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. They've got a banner right there at the top of their website right now about this case in particular. So again, ThomasMoreSociety.org. Peter, really appreciate your uh, your your time this morning. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Annie. You bet. All right. It is 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with Stephanie Mann right after this.
Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. Hey, Alexa, how many ways can I get EWTN? You can get EWTN on television, via cable and satellite, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google Play. You can get EWTN radio in your car on Sirius XM Channel 130 and on the go on any mobile device with the EWTN app. And here's the best news. Now you can get EWTN's great programming on me. Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thank you for joining us on this feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Jesuits. We're joined now by Stephanie Mann from Supremacy and Survival, the English Reformation website that she runs, which has some great resources on the English martyrs. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I feel like it's appropriate that we have you on today because it's the feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola and an extraordinary amount of the martyrs that we've talked about over the course of the history of this segment are Jesuit martyrs, right? That's true. Yes, because the Jesuit mission starting in well, about 1581 with the arrival of, of uh, St. Edmund Campion and companions, yes, the Jesuits were leaders in the missionary efforts in England uh, during the recusant era. And yes, so many Jesuits suffered martyrdom or just suffered great imprisonment trials during the period of the recusant era in England. Well, there's so many to discuss. But today's saint is not yeah. a Jesuit. Is, yeah, I was about to say today's guy is not a Jesuit. The, the martyr no. we're talking about today is Blessed Edvard, Everard Hans. So if you yes. could, uh, there's an extraordinary story here and uh, some sort of unique aspects of it. Uh, if you could set it up for us. Well, he was a... He, he was a, a, a Protestant. He was an Anglican, and actually he was an Anglican minister. And his brother, William, had actually become a Catholic, and his brother returned as a priest to England and tried to bring his brother Everard into back to the Catholic faith, in which uh, you know his family had lived for centuries until uh, Elizabeth, Henry VIII, and, and all the things that happened with the English Reformation. And Everhard withstood William's uh, 
attempts to evangelize until finally became very ill. And that illness, as Father Bowden says, you know, brought things into a different light. And so he did become a Catholic, and then he went immediately to Reims to study for the priesthood following his brother's footsteps, and then returned to England as a missionary priest to serve the Catholics in, in England. And the, the he's one of those martyrs who, who came and was arrested pretty quickly because he was going to the Marshalsea prison in London to visit Catholics who were imprisoned there. And the jailer noticed the boots that he was wearing. And that's why there's Father Bowden really emphasizes boots in, throughout his title and verse that he uses. He, they were foreign made, and so it made the jailer suspicious of him. And so he brought him before a magistrate, and Father Everhard Hans uh, admitted pretty quickly, yes, I'm a Catholic, and yes, I'm a priest. And so then he was arrested and imprisoned. Wow. So because of the boots, uh, he was sort of giving yes. away. You know, it's interesting because, you know, there are so many uh, martyrs we've talked about before, uh, priests who are brought into captivity. And this is actually the case in a few different eras. Uh, this happened in France. Uh, this certainly happened in Mexico. I'm thinking of Blessed Miguel Pro, where, yes. I mean, these these men have to minister and they have to come up with some sort of a disguise in order to do it. Yes. And so he probably had all the right clothing. I mean, I don't, we don't have this detail, but the boots gave him away. They just looked, they didn't look like they were made in England to the, to the uh, jailer. And so he was suspicious, but the, also the, just the fact that father Everhard admitted so quickly, he didn't, he didn't try to obfuscate. He didn't try to avoid his imprisonment, he or being arrested for his priesthood, but at this time it was not actually. It this is 1581, so this is the time of of Saint Edmund Campion and his companions' great trials, and the whole. Uh, we've talked about this before that that and people could find it on my website that on my blog spot that that uh, they had to be accused of some kind of plot. It wasn't yet treasonous just to be a Catholic priest who had returned to England, they had to find some kind of treason, some kind of plot or conspiracy. And so he wasn't lumped in with those uh, other Je the, the Jesuits and, and others in, in the Rome and Rouen's plot, but he was accused. They had to find something to accuse him of so that they could sentence him to death. And so at trial, they asked him questions and then interpreted them in a way that that it meant that he was committing treason. So, for instance, they asked him in his trial, uh, do you still observe, believe that the Pope in Rome has authority over you while you, a Catholic priest, are here in England? And Father Everhart said, well, of course he does. He has the same spiritual power over me that he had over you before all your laws have been passed. So they interpreted that meaning, ah, so he's against Elizabeth the first supremacy, so this is treason. They asked him, well, do you want, do you believe, do you want others to become Catholics? And he said, yes, I believe that everyone should be a Catholic like I, like I am. So they interpreted that to mean, well, then he wants to persuade people to convert to Catholicism, which was against the law. So they used his very answers that he gave honestly to entrap him in while in, uh, while having him on trial for treason uh, to find him guilty and sentence him to death. 
You know, it's interesting as you're talking about you know the answers that he gave, which are sort of honest and straightforward answers. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. uh, in some ways, uh, that's that's kind of what what makes for such such a powerful story here is that he doesn't try and dance around it. Uh, he just pretty much says it like it is. It reminds me of two different verses about feet in the Bible. Um, one is Isaiah 52, yes. since, you know, of course, he was arrested for his boots. You know, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace. Uh, you know, it's I- interesting that it's um, it's in his preaching of the gospel that is, his feet are what give him away. But there's another one where Paul talks in Ephesians 6, where he's talking about the armor yes. of God. And he says, uh, you know, after all the, the shield of faith and the, you know, belt of truth and all that, he says uh, that you should have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Um, and uh, it seems to me as though Father Hans uh, had his feet fitted in both of those senses uh, that Isaiah and Paul are talking about. Yes, and, and Father Bowden picks up on that in his title because his title is Shod for the Gospel, so that he is wearing the boots that bring him to preach the gospel and also to to his martyrdom. And it, Father Father Bowden also brings up this beautiful detail. Of course, remember, hanging, drawing, courting was a horrible, torturous death. And one of the things that made it so horrible was that the man was hanged until he was barely conscious. And then he was eviscerated. And his chest was cut open and his heart was cut out of his, his chest. And as his heart hit the fire that they threw it in it danced and father bowden says that showed that this was part of his constancy and the lord's delight in his constancy and his uh, fidelity and his last words were oh happy day again you know everhart hansen pray for us absolutely meant to be a deterrent but also i mean really what it is is a powerful witness to the gospel that blessed everhart hans uh you know proclaimed so Great stuff, Stephanie Mann. Supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com is where you can find Stephanie's stuff. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Hard, hard to believe that we're already done on our EWTN portion of the show. Another hour coming up for our local audience. In the meantime, we'll talk to most of you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Did you just receive a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt because you took our listener survey? One thing the survey told us was how many of you found out about Sacred Heart Radio from our bumper magnets. So imagine how many more will know where they can hear about God's love and mercy by wearing your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt. So thank you for letting the good news be told without saying a word. Every time you wear your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt and by ordering our bumper magnets by going to sacredheartradio.com and clicking on signs and magnets. In hundreds of counties in Appalachia and the South, there is no Catholic presence. There are no priests, brothers, sisters, or lay ministers. The less than 1% of the population that is Catholic often struggles to participate in the life of the church. Glen Mary Home Missioners is the only Catholic community exclusively committed to serving this part of the United States. To learn more about joining Glen Mary Missioners in this mission, visit glenmary.org. That's glenmary.org. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. 
Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. This is Bishop Roger Foyes of Covington. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Sacred Heart on this Monday, the 31st of July, the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, your word is a lamp for our steps. Guide us in the way of it, that today we may follow where you lead us. Guide us, O Lord, in the way of your truth, that today we may choose wisely among the many ideas that are presented to us in the media. Guide us, O Lord, in the way of your love, that today we may treat those we meet as you have treated us. O Lord, our God, you poured forth into your church a spirit of renewal in prayer and life through the work of St. Ignatius and the Society of Jesus. Grant us the spirit of discernment so that we may hear the still small voice of your word speaking in the depths of our heart, and hearing we may obey it. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being with us as we close out the month of July and head into the month of August. Man, this summer's flying by. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman has sports. We'll talk to David Kissel and Kevin Lamell about stewardship and pilgrimage. They join us from the stewardship department for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Father Robert Nixon has more stars and flowers and jewels and gems to talk about in reflection of the virtues of Our Lady. I believe today we're talking about the moon, which is pretty cool. Uh, Father Philip Michael Tangora will be along as well about talking about being lights in the darkness of the world around us. And then Dr. Jim Schrader on at the end of the hour also. So stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. 
Mark Mayfield has the story. The nonprofit group El Ra Haiti says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says it's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day that all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told to leave Haiti due to rising crime, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis has urged Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. Earlier this month, Moscow stopped allowing Ukraine to export grain, mostly to countries in Africa, from the Black Sea ports. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father called on Russia to allow the shipments. He said, I appeal to my brothers, the authorities of the Russian Federation, so that the Black Sea Initiative may be resumed and grain may be transported safely, end quote. The Holy Father also renewed his prayers for the victims of the Beirut explosion that took place almost three years ago now on August 4th, 2020. He said, I renew my prayer for the victims and their families who are seeking truth and justice, and I hope that Lebanon's complex crisis may find a solution worthy of the history and values of that people. Also during his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on the actions of the merchant who sought and found the precious pearl. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. The first action of the enterprising merchant, said the Pope, is to go out and seek precious pearls, which demonstrates his desire to cultivate dreams of good and search for something new. This curiosity and drive, he said, is what we need in seeking the newness of the Lord, because the Lord, he said, is not repetitive, but always making the realities of life new. While searching for the precious pearl, the merchant then finds what he is looking for, since he has a sharp eye and knows how to recognize the pearl of great value. The Pope said this methodic process of careful discernment offers a teaching for us in that we must also learn to discern what is good and precious. We need to seek what matters and is of value for our lives to train ourselves to see the precious gems of life from what is of no use or benefit. Let us not waste time and freedom on trivial things, said the Pope, pastimes that leave us empty inside, while life offers us every day the precious pearl of the encounter with God and with others. The Pope then described the merchant's last action when he buys the pearl, selling and sacrificing everything he has, since he realizes its immense value has to be his only wealth, the meaning of his present and his future. This action speaks to us as well, the Pope explained, as we are invited to welcome the Lord Jesus, the precious pearl of our life, to be sought, found, and made one's own. The Pope said that when one encounters Christ, life changes and finds ultimate meaning in the embrace of God. The Pope said we should ask ourselves what we really seek in life and whether we are making an effort to search for God and do good. He then suggested we practice discernment on what is truly good and comes from God and what leaves us empty and needs to be put aside. Finally, the Pope suggested that we look at our lives and ask if we have given up everything to make the Lord the center of our lives, our greatest good now and always. I'm Devin Watkins. The sweltering heat wave continues with record-setting temperatures moving through the south. Heat indices could soar above triple digits this week. Across states like Texas, Louisiana, and Florida in the southwest, Phoenix has now topped 110 degrees for 31 straight days. And recent powerful storms that hit the east coast brought some relief from the heat while causing damage and knocking out power for tens of thousands of customers. It will be a little better here locally. More on that in weather in just a few minutes. And students and staff are saying goodbye to St. Joseph Catholic School. Farewell barbecue was held yesterday for the school, which will not hold classes come the fall. 
the school's closure was announced last month. The reason behind it is a two and a half million dollar is two and a half million dollars worth of repairs that would be needed to keep the school building functioning safely. Sad news there. 8.06 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Why, thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. What an exciting, fun game the Reds were in yesterday. Reds take care of business and uh, defeat the Dodgers on faith night. And uh, they win 9 to nothing. Uh, final from L.A. Graham Ashcraft earned the win after surrendering just five hits over six innings of work. Joey Votto crushed a two-run homer. Good to see he had three RBIs. Matt McClain and Ellie De La Cruz also couldn't be contained, hit the ball out of the yard. Cincinnati now leading the NL Central. Feels good again. 58 and 49, a half a game up on those pesky Milwaukee Brewers. Speaking of pesky teams, Chicago Cubs are the next ones up. Reds head out to Chicago to face the Cubbies, who just had their eight-game winning streak snapped yesterday. Good news is uh, for the Cubs fans, Cubs won't be parting ways with Cody Bellinger ahead of uh, the trade deadline, which is, I believe, today. So uh, we shall see what happens uh, if if the Reds want to make any uh, last-ditch effort moves. They've been uh, in talks about getting a reliever from Detroit. I oh, think, interesting. So, so we're, we're adding, not subtracting, likely. We're on the yeah, we're, we're in the buyer's market, not the seller's market. Certainly, Is that what you're telling yes, me? certainly. We're in first place, so that would be the case. The bad news uh, that happened is uh, Jonathan India went on the IL. But uh, next man up, so hopefully, uh, the, I believe they called up Stuart Fairchild. So, uh, and okay. and good to see. So uh, it's it's fun that uh, when when someone goes down, the next guy up is is kind of a familiar. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go. All right. Go Reds, go. No, 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 go no. Reds, stop. Go. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. No, it's expect? just Reds are gonna win today. It, it, no? it drives not me crazy. No, not into it at all. It's terrible. The Cubs sing that stupid song, and it is, uh, it's lame when they do I it. I like it. No, I know. That's the worst part is that you like it. It's I awful. Do. Well, we have a lot of differing tastes. That is true. But I to... do think um, our weather is right about on cue. I think we yeah. have the same taste in weather, and I think we, we got, a, we got a, uh, a good weather report coming up. We'll get the traffic here right now. Traffic a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio. On the web at LarkinCobb.com, Monday's usually not too bad. Yeah, it's not terrible right now. A couple of minor slow spots. Southbound 75 as you're heading through the Lachlan split. Northbound 71, 75 is eh, mostly heavy from like Buttermilk Pike up to the cut in the hill. Northbound 471 is slowing as you're approaching the Big Mac Bridge. And looking at Dayton. Dayton looks to be moving pretty well right now. All right, now for weather, like Paul said. Much, much better than the sweltering heat that we had last week. So mostly sunny, dry and warm today in Cincinnati with a high of 83 degrees, lower humidity as well, I'm told. Tonight, a few clouds and refreshing, according to this forecast, an overnight low of 60, mostly sunny tomorrow with a high of 85 degrees. 
For the Miami Valley Dayton area, sunny skies today and a high of 83. Clear skies tonight with an overnight low of 59. You're going to be in the 50s. That's incredible. Mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 85 degrees. Today is Monday, July the 31st. It is the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Society of Jesus and patron of St. Ignatius in Montfort Heights. Pray for us. It kind of makes me laugh that the Montfort Heights Church is named for St. Ignatius and not St. Louis de Montfort Heights. But that's neither here nor there. You have a great patron in St. Ignatius, for sure. 11 minutes past the hour. Here with us on the Sunrise Morning Show, David Kissel from the Stewardship Department for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and his summer intern, seminarian Kevin Lamell. Good morning, gentlemen. It's good to see you. Hi, Anna. Good morning, Anna. So, Kevin recently went on a pilgrimage with a group of seminarians to the Holy Land, and so that will frame the discussion today on stewardship and pilgrimage. David, uh, just to start off, can you give us some some overall connections uh, to stewardship that we can take away from the idea of pilgrimage and how this helps us to grow in living a life as a steward? Sure. So I was uh, reading an article recently about the uh, World Youth Day that's it's coming up here in uh, a, a quote in there that said, youth are going to travel a great distance in search of God and what he may be asking of them. Mm-hmm. And I thought that line, what he may, what God may be asking of them. And, and the point of a pilgrimage really is, is the uh, opportunity to grow closer to God, to really grow deeper in a life of discipleship and that's what the purpose of stewardship is you know that recognition and living a life of stewardship that everything in our life is a gift from god every day every minute every breath we take is a gift and he's entrusted uh all of the blessings to us and stewardship becomes our response what are we going to do with those those moments that god has given to us so you know i love the uh the prayer at mass where they talk about your pilgrim church on earth you know this is an earthly pilgrimage that we're on um uh, with the uh, the hopes in, uh, of heaven, you know, being with our Heavenly Father for eternity. You know, a life of stewardship is just one way that uh, we go about living a life of discipleship. And that's the, uh, you know, pilgrimage is all about that. Just how can we grow closer to our loving God? Kevin, how was the Holy Land? Excellent. Was- that's all you got? Excellent. Well, actually, I'm not surprised to hear that. I mean, I, I would imagine that this just leaves you speechless in many ways. Very much so. It was also a very fast-packed trip, so we were able to see everything. But I think the oh, dividends man. will be come out over the years rather than in just the weeks or days to follow. Well, give us some of the highlights. What were uh, some of your favorite experiences in the Holy Land? Sure, three of them. The first one was the Jordan River. Um, so the yes. bodies of water, the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River. But uh, the Jordan River, you have the American, the modern contingencies and problems of guards for the Jordanians on their side of the border. The Israelis have guards. There's tension and yet we had a baptism, a Catholic baptism happening on the Jordanian side with a priest. Wow. And then we had Protestants kind of rebaptizing themselves and jumping around in the water on our side. So it kind of turned into a pool party, both for God's sake, because there was a brand new soul baptized. <laughs> and then the water's a baptism. So the church begins with the water. And so the water was a really, really nice highlight of the trip. Then there was St. Peter and Galicante. We went to that on our last day. So everyone was tired. We we're trying to force ourselves through with the, on our 10th day on this trip. 
and I didn't really know anything about it, but it's right off the steps that lead from the Garden of Gethsemane to Caiaphas's house. Gallicontu. So is that uh, the rooster? That's the rooster. That's exactly yeah. right. Yep. Wow. And uh, this is where Jesus was held the night before uh, before he died, his passion. So between Good, uh, Holy Thursday and Good Friday, in those five or six hours when they needed to wait for daylight to officially convict him, in between the trips to the house they held in this roman prison which they found and they found uh, handholds and everything they found the pit and so psalm 88 which is prayed every friday night by the priests and seminarians and deacons and which is also prayed once every once a month in the midday prayer cycle but psalm 88 was kind of written by king david but it refers to jesus in this exact moment so we read psalm 88 from the pit where they held jesus and it was really really powerful and then the third part is the holy sepulcher which is like the holiest site in christendom christendom it's where Golgotha or Calvary is um, where Jesus was crucified. And then 55, 60 feet away is where he was laid to rest in the tomb and where he rose from the dead. And so um, the whole Holy Land is called called the fifth gospel, and it gives you a lot of insights. And one of those insights is um, the rock, uh, which the builders rejected, has become the cornerstone. And you're able to actually see this rock, which was left in the stone quarry, and they left the bad rock, which became the tombs, because it wasn't good for anything else but that rock is both where Jesus was crucified and where he rose from the dead, and it's now become the cornerstone of our faith. Oh, my gosh. And you have six different religious groups that have valid orders that all have access to the Holy Sepulchre. And so unlike anywhere else in the world, you have these six groups. And when you view it from a spiritual perspective, this is what Jesus wants for us. This is what a foretaste of heaven is. We're all worshiping God together under one roof. And so it was really, really neat. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm just getting chills hearing about it. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in that like, Jesus rose from the dead right here. I mean, like, what is it like to walk in to that space? Um, usually it's really crowded. Uh, but, sure. But spiritually, uh, you really can't prepare for it. You just have to know what you're, what you're getting into. Uh, we had a good tour guide, and it was, um, it was overpowering in some sense. But on the other hand, the line to get into the tomb itself is like a Disneyland or ride line because there's like anticipation there's people from all over the world and so uh having only been to disneyland before kind of it's just like wow there's people in languages from all over the world and everyone's like giddy with excitement but we're the excitement for our faith rather than for an attraction that's uh, gonna last two minutes this one's gonna carry us through for the rest of our lives wow so when we talk about the you know david gave us some some laid some groundwork here on the idea of pilgrimage and and stewardship let's talk about that specifically in light of of vocations and you know your your pursuing the the vocation to the priesthood um in what ways do you think that this pilgrimage is is helping in your formation in that way i think it's doing a lot of great things uh like the bible verse i mentioned i think it opens up the bible to us it gives you a lot of more context to sort of uh things you've heard before and quotes and just uh, different different aspects of the faith that you've learned about in a theoretical way become reality when you go to the Holy Land. And I think it's going to pay dividends for the rest of my uh, priesthood because priests are in some ways the ultimate steward. Uh, we give up a wife and children. We give up those things that people know when you enter in and you take the vows of promises. But then you also give up the ability to kind of make your own decisions and have your own money and do those like, smaller things which at, which can add up. But it's because you're a steward, and so you're the ultimate steward of other people's resources and the things that don't belong to you on behalf of God. But everyone else is stewards of their own money, too, in God's eyes and what they do with it and what they do with their time and talent and treasure. Wow. Beautiful. Well, David, you and I did not get to go to the Holy Land this year. At least I don't think you went to the Holy Land. I did not. No, no. no. Um, Did you make any, like, huge international 
pilgrimages this summer, or do you have plans to? No. No. I have not and do not, no. Um, yeah, me either. Um, so for all of us left behind, I'm just kidding, not really left behind, but pilgrimage doesn't have to be some big, huge trip to the Holy Land or to, I mean, to any of the major pilgrimage sites. Like, you can make um, more local pilgrimages, can't you? Do you have any ideas in that regard? Right. I mean, it's a shift in mindset. Of really, anytime you're taking a trip, whether it be vacation or even just everyday trips around town, maybe for work even, you might find yourself at a meeting in a different part of town, thinking of it as a small pilgrimage and, and seeking out what are some of those holy sites or even just a church maybe you've never been to um, and just to spend some quiet time in prayer. For our family, we, we've made a pilgrimage to, to Detroit over the years to the Blessed Father Solanus Casey Are Center. you kidding me? Up this there. is where I'm going on my vacation. Yeah. It's, I get to go see it. It's it's phenomenal. It's it's amazing. Yeah, we took uh, took the whole family up there. The boys this went up there. This day was yesterday. Yep. So it's phenomenal to go up there to pilgrimage to Detroit. Um, we've been up in uh, northern Michigan, the uh, Cross in the Woods. Nice. It's a 55 or 60-foot iron crucifix in the middle of the woods up there. It's a phenomenal place. But also just locally here in our own archdiocese. You know, Kevin's hometown of Springfield has a number of beautiful churches to, to go visit and pray and, and maybe uh, celebrate Mass in. Downtown Dayton has beautiful churches. And one of my favorites, the uh, Land of the Cross-Tip Churches up mm. in the northern part of the diocese. I always tell people here in Cincinnati, if you're at Hamilton Avenue 275, jump on Hamilton Avenue, drive two hours north, turn right or left, and there's just an abundance of <laughs> churches up there that are just beautiful. There's 30-something uh, churches up there just to visit and spend some quiet time with. Very cool. And, of course, our own Basilica, an official site of pilgrimage, as is the Basilica in Covington as well. So lots of great places that you can go on pilgrimage without having to uh, fly overseas. But that said, super pumped for you, Kevin, and uh, the ways that that pilgrimage to the Holy Land will bear fruit in your life and God willing in your priesthood. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. David, thank you for your thoughts as well. We've got the Archdiocese of Cincinnati Stewardship Department linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Gentlemen, it was good to see you. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Anna. All right. It's 20 past. We got traffic and weather coming up next. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Dr. Miriam Grossman will discuss her new book, Lost in Translation. Attorney Ken Craycraft will tell us what issue one really says and why we should support it. I'll reflect on the life of St. Ignatius Loyola, the frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Driving home the faith. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. I'm Father Jan Schmidt, Director of Pastoral Vitality for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and the Rector of our Cathedral Basilica of St. Peter in Chains. Prayer from the Votive Mass of St. Joseph. O oh God, who in your inexpressible providence were pleased to choose St. Joseph as spouse of the most holy mother of your son, grant we pray that we who revere him as our protector on earth may be worthy of his heavenly intercession. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 23 minutes past the hour, this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive at pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Things clearing up nicely. I mean, it wasn't too bad to begin with uh, earlier this hour. But right now, uh, the only slow spot that I'm seeing is not even a really major one. Southbound 75 as you're heading through the Lachlan split. Now for weather, mostly sunny today in Cincinnati with a high of 83 degrees. Lower humidity, so that's nice too. A few clouds tonight with an overnight low of 60. It'll be mostly sunny tomorrow with a high of 85. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny skies today and a high of 83. Clear tonight with an overnight low of 59, mostly sunny tomorrow, and a high of 85 degrees. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Father Robert Nixon joins us. It's 24 past. Are you using the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app? Well, by updating or reinstalling the Sacred Heart Radio app, you get the upgraded features like the daily podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again from the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home the Faith. To reinstall the Sacred Heart Radio app, go to sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code, and depending on your phone, choose the App Store or Google Play to begin enjoying the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton. RoseAutomotiveGroup.com. 
back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Robert Nixon. He's a Benedictine monk at Norcia in Australia and translator of the Tan Resurrection series. We have been going through one of those books, Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Eddie. It's good to have you back. And today we are looking at the 14th place in the crown in which St. Ildefonsus decides to place the sun, which I think we all should remember is a star. Yeah. <laughs> so this is very much in line with what we have been going through um, all of this time in the crown. Uh, absolutely, because there's a number of gemstones, a number of flowers, and a number of, of stars. But even within knowing that conceptual scheme, you know, to, to imagine placing the sun in someone's crown is, is a pretty dramatic uh, very difficult thing to imagine, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a, such a powerful, powerful image, you know, and um, to, to, to even contemplate it, I think, uh, fills one with a, a sense of his, the magnitude of his devotion and also of the splendor which he perceives in the Blessed Virgin Mary. Absolutely. So take us through why he uh, specifically chooses the sun to be placed in her crown. Yeah, yeah, so, um, you know, he begins by talking about um, how, like the sun, the sun possesses the highest position in the celestial sphere, um, and it brings forth the greatest fertility from the earth. And he compares this to, to Mary because she says, he says that your immaculate heart is raised up to the uppermost rank in the seraphic courts, closest to the inaccessible light of the unseen Father. Then he talks also about the sureness of motion of the sun. So, of course, the sun follows a, a, a regular path. I mean, it, it always does the same thing, traverses the same earth, the same path across the earth with the utmost sureness. And he says about Mary, like the sun, you traverse the earthly globe attentively beholding the needs of the poor, the anxious sighs of youth, the pains of the elderly, the lamentations of the widows, the sufferings of the sick, forth to you. And if you think about what the sun, it passes over everything. There's not one single uh, human being uh, whom it misses. And in the same way, uh, every single human situation is visible to the Virgin Mary. She's present to them all in the same way that the sun, universally present to the human race. And finally... He talks about the, this power of the sun, the warming power of the sun, causing the earth to flourish, um, to bring forth fruitfulness and verdancy. And he says to her, who is able to moisten the dry heart like you? Or who is able so to warm the mind frozen with despair or cynicism? All the good things which God's supreme majesty has decreed to bestow on us he has decreed to bestow through your intercession and agency. How many are the former thieves you have led to repentance? How many of the reformed prostitutes you have converted to chastity? How many of the avaricious have you made generous? And to how many drunkards have you taught sobriety? And, and you know, he explains how it's the grace of God coming through the Virgin Mary, coming through her, her radiance and brilliance and power to warm the heart that brings forth this fruit of, of virtue from all the souls who truly encounter her in the same way that the sun brings forth the, the growth and the fruitfulness of the earth. 
Yeah, that was something that really stood out to me in in this particular chapter on the sun. It it reminded me of what we hear in scripture that the sun rises on on the good and and the evil alike. Indeed, and I mean that was uh, was our gospel uh, at at mass from just a couple of days ago. And to think about this, that the Virgin Mary shines her grace and mercy both on the good and and the evil, or I don't want to say evil, but maybe people who should be good but somehow have fallen away from it, you sure. know what I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, that we all, we all have the potential to be good. That's how God made us. But um, that, that, yeah, and that, I mean, she's called the refuge of sinners for good reason because she shows this maternal mercy and compassion and then this grace, which is the very first step to conversion. If you think about... Um, the way a mother treats uh, her child. If the child has done something very wrong um, and apologizes, the mother is still there with love and mercy, of course. And it's exactly the same with the Virgin Mary. No matter what situation of sinfulness or despair someone might be in, they can always turn to her to find refuge. And and in, in turning to her, in fact, they're gaining merit and favor with God because she is the mother of God. So to show her love and respect and honor is uh, what pleases God more than anything else. Yeah, and one other thing that stood out to me that I'm hoping you can reflect on before we let you go, Father, is um, I was, again, thinking of Scripture and in, in the first chapter of John when we hear that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not... I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it word for word, but the the dark. Basically, that the darkness was was scared of the light, and and we see that too. Yeah. And he talks about how evil flees from the light. Yeah, he, indeed. And you know, it has to do this because if you think about what is darkness, darkness is actually not a thing in itself. It's the absence of light. Yeah. And um, in the same way, um, evil and sin. It's not like a positive entity, but it's the absence of the good. And therefore, when confronted with this positive entity, with the good or with light, then sin or darkness instantly flees. It can't stand up to it because it's fundamentally nothingness. And nothingness, you know, gives way before before the splendor of the light. So, um, you know, just uh, I think that's a wonderful analogy that when the light appears, the darkness is no more. If there's ever a battle between darkness and light, of course, light is, is sure to win because darkness is not actually a force. And the same with good and evil, with grace and with sin, that grace will overcome any sin as long as we're open to it. And, you know, uh, Jesus Christ, the Virgin Mary are just wanting nothing more than to give us the light of their grace. So beautifully put. We've been talking to Father Robert Nixon about Crown of the Virgin, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. Thank you very much, Eddie. God bless you. You too, Father. Thanks. All right, it's 33 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. The nonprofit group El Roy Haiti has, says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says it's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told 
to leave Haiti due to rising crime, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. The death toll continues to rise after a suicide bombing at a political rally in Pakistan. Mark Mayfield reports. Officials now say more than 50 people were killed and over 100 others injured in Sunday's attack. So far, no one has claimed responsibility for the bombing at a Sunni political convention in the northwestern region of the country. Local authorities say more than 500 people were attending the convention at the time of the deadly bombing. I'm Mark Neefield. Pope Francis has urged Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. Earlier this month, Moscow stopped allowing Ukraine to export the grain, mostly to countries in Africa from its Black Sea ports. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father called on Russia to allow these shipments to resume. He said, I appeal to my brothers, the authorities of the Russian Federation, so that the Black Sea initiative may be resumed and grain may be transported safely. The Holy Father also renewed his prayers for the victims of the Beirut explosion that took place almost three years ago on August 4th, 2020, saying he renewed his prayers for victims and their families who are seeking truth and justice and said, I hope that Lebanon's complex crisis may find a solution worthy of the history and values of that people. And as the Pope prepares to head to Lisbon for World Youth Day this week, the Holy See has announced he'll be traveling to Marseille in France in September. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Pope Francis will depart early in the afternoon of Friday, 22nd of September, arriving at Marseille International Airport. There he will be welcomed by the French President Emmanuel Macron. He will then preside a Marian prayer with the diocesan clergy in the Basilica of Notre-Dame de la Garde, followed by a moment of reflection with religious leaders near the memorial dedicated to sailors and migrants lost at sea. On September the 23rd, after a private meeting with people experiencing economic hardship at the Archbishop's residence, Pope Francis will address the final session of the Mediterranean meetings at the Palais du Faro, where he will also meet with President Macron. Finally, in the afternoon, the Pope is scheduled to preside over Holy Mass at the Velodrome Stadium before departing to Rome. Marseille is the second French city visited by Pope Francis during his pontificate. He will also be the first pope to visit the multi-ethnic southern French port city since Clement VII did so in 1533. The Mediterranean meetings are organized and hosted by the Archdiocese of Marseille at the behest of its Archbishop, Cardinal Jean-Marc Avelin, following the Mediterranean Frontier of Peace meetings promoted by the Italian Episcopal Conference in 2020 and 2022 in the cities of Bari and Florence. The two gatherings brought together bishops as well as mayors of several countries bordering the Mediterranean to highlight the need for peace and fraternity in the vast sea region, a crossroad of peoples, religions and cultures now facing new epochal challenges. I am Lisa Zengarini. 8.37 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. What an exciting uh, series for the Reds. Reds take care of business. Win two or three over the Los Angeles Dodgers. And just like that, Reds are back in first place in the NL Central. Courtesy of Joey Votto, he crushed a two-run homer. Could have had two 
He got robbed of another one, uh, but did have three RBIs at the end of the day. Matt McLean, L.A. De La Cruz, put it into the stands. Also going yard in the Reds' 9-0 win over the Dodgers. Graham Ashcraft picks up the win. Redlegs head to Chicago to open up a series against the Cubbies in Wrigley Field. 8 o'clock start tonight, and uh, the Cubs are playing well. They just had their eight-game winning streak snapped, and uh, they were no longer sellers now at the uh, trade deadline, which I'm pretty sure is today. How about this? Uh, Anna Mitchell will be happy. Ohio State gaining a commitment from the son of a late NFL wide receiver, Chris Henry Jr., announcing he'll be joining the Buckeyes in 2026. The uh, pass catcher of the son of Chris Henry Sr. was selected by the uh, Bengals back in uh, 2005, spending five seasons with the team. Pac-Man Jones adopted Henry Jr. after uh, his close friend had passed away. And uh, Henry Jr. chose Ohio State over Georgia, Clemson, and USC. So there you go. Pretty neat. Let's check in on uh, sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Did you just receive a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt because you took our listener survey? One thing the survey told us was how many of you found out about Sacred Heart Radio from our bumper magnets. So imagine how many more will know where they can hear about God's love and mercy by wearing your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt. So thank you for letting the good news be told without saying a word. Every time you wear your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt and by ordering our bumper magnets by going to sacredheartradio.com and clicking on signs and magnets. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim. Always great to catch up with Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Director of Translation Services for the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. You may have heard of it referred to as ISIL. Dr. Lewis, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Matt. Well, I really am enjoying getting into this and figuring out how the translations of these liturgical texts work. So maybe this week would be a great time to kind of step back and look at the structure of ISIL and how it all fits together uh, you know, I mean, we want to know where our food comes from, so we might as well want to know where our liturgy sure. comes from, too. <laughs> sure. ISEL, the International Commission on English and the Liturgy, is a series of three concentric circles. At its center, it is a commission. It is the International Commission on English and the Liturgy. It's what we now call a mixed commission. It's a body of 11 bishops from 11 different bishops' conferences that represent the English-speaking Catholic world. The U.S., Canada, England and Wales, that's one. Ireland, Scotland, South Africa, Pakistan, India, Australia, New Zealand, and the Philippines. That's 11 bishops' conferences, each appointing a representative to sit on the ICEL Commission. Think of it as our board of directors, our governing body. 
These 11 bishops make the final decisions about the English translations that ICEL produces. They meet once or twice a year for a week to discuss and approve translations and review our budget. All right, These so I have bishops, a question of yeah, sure. I a question about that uh, because – well, actually, this is a question that probably would work well uh, for you given your specific background because uh, you and I both went to a Christian liberal arts college where a lot of people were trained to be Methodist pastors. And there are a lot of things that people study for the priesthood, including philosophy and theology and all that other stuff. But in our world, uh, people who were studying to be Methodist pastors had to learn Greek and Hebrew. That's not necessarily the case for all priests and bishops. So I imagine that those who have a background in that would probably – be more likely to be in those roles, right? Yeah. So uh, in the past, uh, priests studying for the priesthood and seminary would have had pretty extensive Latin formation, um, and that's been cut back at times and, and in some places, and it's starting to come back now um, in some seminaries. Um, so, not, But not every seminarian would have uh, an expertise in Latin. So uh, when you find uh, a priest or a bishop who has extensive experience in Latin, that's going to make them a pretty good candidate for, for our type of work. Well, cool. All right. So I, I'm sorry I interrupted your train of thought because you were – I find this all fascinating. So pick up where I cut you off. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. So the 11 bishops of the commission are ICEL. They are the International Commission on English and the Liturgy. But each of these bishops has a day job. Uh, their primary vocation is to their diocese or archdiocese. So there's another circle to ICEL. The work of the bishops is assisted by a permanent secretariat that's located in Washington, D.C. And the secretariat has a current staff of five and a half. That's five full-time and one part-time. No hobbits or halflings. Alas. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, where's the hobbit on staff there? <laughs> I, I wish. Or um, a pregnant person, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so you can think of the Secretariat as the office headquarters of ICEL, that we handle the day-to-day -day operation so the bishops of ICEL can focus on their own diocese. So we in the Secretariat coordinate with translators, we schedule meetings, we prepare documentation, we proofread texts, and so on. So that's the second circle of ICEL. Um, but then there's a larger circle that we use. Um, we have a bunch of collaborators, dozens and dozens um, so in addition to the bishops of the commission and, this, and the staff of the secretariat, there are dozens and ultimately hundreds of people involved. We consult with translators. We have uh, experts in liturgy. We collaborate with musicians. Um, we have translation committees that look at different texts. So some of the people that we consult with are bishops. Some of them are priests. Some of them are men and women in religious life. And some are lay people. Um, we consult with language experts, liturgy experts, musicians, even canon lawyers, just to make sure that we're getting all the nuances right of these liturgical texts. Well, that to me is is, is absolutely fascinating and a completely invisible process to uh, to most Catholics in the pews. Uh, so, the way that you 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 sort of set all that up in the the concentric circle sort of model, uh, it helps me at least to be a little bit more appreciative of something like, you know, did some random bishop in some room somewhere just decide that we're <laughs> going to be saying consubstantial now? Well, no. I mean, apparently there was a lot of thought that went into this. And, you know, personally, it didn't take, I don't think, many of us very long to warm up to that and switch it over. And now all of us sure. kind of know this word that we all yeah. said that everybody was never going to know the meaning <laughs> of. Turns out we all do now. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, the, the whole process um, can can take years and there are lots and lots of hands involved. And so hopefully it, it doesn't uh, ever happen that just one person uh, gets to, you know, just throw a curveball in there. Usually it's the, it's the, it's lots of people thinking about it over a long time. Well, just thinking too about uh, having priests and bishops uh, kind of on the on the top tier of this, you know, if this is the liturgy and if this is meant to point us all toward the reality of the Eucharist, it would make sense to put well not just successors of the apostles, right, but also people whose entire vocation is centered around the Eucharist, you know, at at the top tier of this, right? I mean, if they're going yeah. to be, te- you know, developing and crafting the translations for these words that surround the celebration of the Eucharist, they might, it might need to be a committee of people who are fully personally invested in that question. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if, uh, if we wanted to sneak in on one of these committees, would it be like this fiery, you know, exciting, <laughs> thrilling, you know, discourse of bishops, you know, raising voices and getting excited, or, or is it going to be like more like a technical boardroom thing where half the room is asleep? I mean, <laughs> what, what goes on at these meetings? Uh, so the bishops of the commission, we just had uh, their second meeting uh, this year, a couple weeks ago. Um, it's not usually very uh, loud or contentious. Uh, it's usually pretty collegial. Uh, you would you would be more interested if you were something of a language nerd. Uh, people who aren't really interested in language might find it a little dull at times because we do have to get into the nitty gritty of of Latin grammar and, and English grammar. Um, but we do also uh, discuss things, you know, pastoral perspectives of you know how is this going to be heard by people in the pews in Australia or how are people in you know indigenous communities in Canada, Canada are going to respond to this, uh, this particular phrase or this particular usage. So it, it does sometimes verge into other things besides language, but it's, it's often pretty technical and nerdy. Well, that's kind of fun as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, especially <laughs> when you're thinking about the different slang. Uh, you know, some of us have gone overseas and used a phrase and we're like, oh, that means something completely different here. <laughs> so yeah. Well, great stuff. Well, we've got isolweb.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Benjamin Lewis, thank you again. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, back right after this. It's 12 Till. Hi, I'm Guy Cagney with the Cagney Family and Coble Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Our Catholic faith is the center of our family life and how we do our real estate business. Hope that you and your family will remain safe and healthy this year. 513-347-1888. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life. 
while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. James Schrader, Vice President of the Psychology and Wellness Program at Easter Seals Rehabilitation. He's online at james-schrader.com. Dr. Schrader, good morning. Hey, good morning. Okay, so as we kick off the month of August, well, there have been already a whole bunch of ads that have landed in my inbox and uh, have assaulted me as I've gone into regular department stores telling me that back to school is coming. And there are probably some kids who are like, oh, man, summer just started. It's back to school. But uh, what are some good things to kind of have in the back of our minds to help us prepare for this in a way that we get excited and don't dread it? Yeah, I think this is uh, definitely an anxious time of the year for a lot of kids. But so here's a couple thoughts. The first is that as you're headed back to school the next, whether it's week, and our kids are actually headed back this week um, or next week, one of the most important things that we do as parents is to get back on a reasonable sleep schedule. And I think a lot of times what happens um, is that all of a sudden the first day of school shows up and the sleep schedule has been really off for the summer like it typically can get. And we haven't really taken time to adjust the schedule slowly backwards. So if your kid's been staying up a lot later than is needed for school, this week is a great week to start to scale back your sleep routine and to kind of pull back on the bedtimes because it's really hard to go from, let's say, 11 p.m. to, you know, 9 p.m. and do it all in one night. So that's one that we really should start with and think is a huge thing yeah. this time of year. I, I want to ask you a little bit about that because there are probably some families who don't realize just how crucial that is in your work with child psychology is the idea of getting your kid on a decent night's sleep. I mean, we know that when they're real little. Uh, but as they get older, that can be not only harder to police, but also sort of difficult to realize how to implement it. And you can't just say, all right, tomorrow's the first day right. of school. So right. the night before, that Sunday night before is when I'm going to start getting back on schedule. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, the average, so the target amount for, um, let's say, 6 to 12 is about 9 to 11 hours of sleep total. So think about that. I mean, a lot of kids are not getting that during the summer and, and unfortunately even during the school year. And what we really would you know, um, advise is to, like I said, to kind of scale back slowly. So move those bedtimes 15 to 20 minutes back over the course of a week instead of trying to make this massive jump that's probably not going to work very well. All right. What else you got? So the second thing is this, you know, I mean, I know the summer's coming to an end and it does seem like, you know, it was just last week that we ended school, but I think that we have to be really, really focused on what we say is the present mindedness um, with our kids. And I think a lot of kids get really anxious and thinking, oh my gosh, like I've got a whole school year ahead of me. Like this is too big, too much. I can't go there already. And what we'd say to them is, well, hey, first of all, for most of you, you still have some days left of summer. Let's enjoy that for right now. But even with school starting, no matter where it is across the country that you're listening, let's just kind of focus on these first few days and let's just focus on, hey, what do we need to do? What are some of the adjustments to make? But let's also focus on what are some of the positives? Like what are some of the things you're actually looking forward to? And, you know, if your kids are like mine, like, oh, nothing. Well, let's, <laughs> let's not quite accept nothing. Let, let's even help our kids kind of look at things that might be more joyful or positive. 
But I, I think that in life, just like in school, we get so focused on the whole race, the whole marathon, that we are, our kids are kind of overwhelmed by this idea of like, oh, I can't take on another year. And the good news is, you know what? You don't have to take on another year. You actually just have to take on July 31st today, and let's enjoy it for what it is, and let's, let's take on the tasks for what they are. You big on kids writing down their goals for a year or the, the goal of a schedule at least they'd want to try to keep? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, again, goals for the year are fine, but like like I kind of mentioned about being more present-minded, I would love to hear their goals for this week. You know, I'd love to hear for their goals at the end of the summer, um, a few things that they're looking forward to, maybe a few things, again, that they are challenged by. And I think that what we find with this present-mindedness around this beginning of school is that it's a lot less overwhelming to think, okay, so, like, I just have to kind of ease in and get into this part of it, and then when I get into this part of it, I can take on the next, you know, installment. Um, but I think that, you know, in general, if we, if we talk about goals, sometimes it's just easier to talk about goals at the beginning and this week. Yeah, that can be a little daunting if you do the whole year. Even as right. I was saying that, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't do that even for myself. I do say, <laughs> all right, I want to do this uh, first thing in the morning every day, and I'm going to try and do it tomorrow <laughs> to start right, the streak. Right, right. Uh, that's a little bit yep. more measurable, at least for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that's the whole idea is that there are certain kids that you know, look forward to going back, and it's great, and you probably don't have to work as much with those kids. But I think no matter where your child is, it's a whole lot easier to kind of, like, manage and deal with and be excited about what's in front of you than, you know, the, the larger piece of it. And um, And I think, you know, the other thing I would add this time of year is if your kid did have a rough year for various reasons um, this past school, then let's look at this as an opportunity to say, hey, you know what, it is still a fresh start in many ways. Now, I know that you know, sometimes they might be coming back into the same school or with similar peers, but the reality is the nice thing about the summer is that it is a reset. And I think for those who struggled, and whether it was academically or socially, it's nice for parents to spend this week and say, hey, you know what, this is, this is the cool thing about life is that it is somewhat of an adventure. And even though you might have had a rough time before, it doesn't necessarily mean that we can't see how this year can be a way to build resiliency and, and build more of a positive experience. And um, we all need resets. That's why sleep is really important. That's why the weekends are really important. And that's why the summers are important. And we have to kind of treat it as the reset that it is. Yeah, and you can come back to school, and you know a lot of those classmates you might not have seen, and you know you might have grown a an inch or two. You might have right. got a right. new haircut and maybe a new shirt. Maybe take a take a fresh start approach to it, as opposed to just dreading back to the grind. And of course, you know we could do a whole other segment, probably Dr. Schrader, on tips for parents and how to get back on their you know sort of a balanced approach to life once the kids are out back out of the house and into into the routine, but we'll have to save that for another time. Sounds good. All right, and if our listeners want to connect with you, how do they do so? Yeah, james-schrader.com. All right, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Schrader, thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. All right, that wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show on this Monday, July the 31st, the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Happy Feast Day to those of you who go to uh, institutions of higher learning or have backgrounds in places that have Jesuit connections. I'm Matt Swaim. For all of us here, thanks so much for being with us on a Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. It'll be August. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company. 
proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymade.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East. With their exclusive Life Care Plus protection, if something goes wrong with your new Honda, you're covered. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in Miamisburg carries many of the books heard on Sacred Heart Radio. Online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. That's stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf, and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping. 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com that's wimberglandscaping.com for over 50 years the st martin district of st vincent de paul has been providing food clothing rent and utility assistance to people in six counties of southern ohio you can join the st martin district of st vincent de paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation which is simple and easy 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org I'm Deacon Drew Grody from St. Michael's in Sharonville. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio.